Grand opening, grand closing. That's right. Transfer portal coming to a close, at least this window, uh, later on today. It is Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It is time to do the Go Hour, presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. Olin Buchanan with us, as he always is in the morning. Good morning, OB. Yeah, it is a good morning. Got big game tonight. Big game, yeah. yeah. Six, seven, what is it? Six o'clock. So I like they're early. I like when they're early. <clears throat> and it's, I think it's going to be very busy. I think it's going to be a, a if if there's not a big crowd tonight, I don't know if there ever will be. You know, you're on a four game winning streak. The students are back in town. Uh, Probably no test this week. They're playing well. You know, not, not just they, they haven't just won four games, but the last three of them they dominated you know, dominated opponents. If you can't get behind this team, I just don't know if you ever will. Yeah, no, it, it should be a good one. We're going to do, talk a lot about this game. We'll have Logan <coughs> Leon at ten thirty-five. <coughs> Excuse me. So, yesterday the uh, the rankings came out in baseball. We know A and M obviously getting um, their spot there at five. But I did want to ask you. So Bronny tweeted out their schedule, part of their schedule. I don't know if you saw it to start off, but I'm I'm going to kind of read. I did not. I'm going to read some of it for you. <coughs> so first off. Not first off, but they are going to go to Minute Maid Park this year, and they're playing in the uh, Shriners Children's Classic. While they're there, now Michigan's no longer on the schedule. They changed that. But while they're there, Louisville, number 16 team in the country. We're we're familiar with Louisville, aren't we? (coughs) Well, they beat them last year. Exactly. (coughs) Excuse me. Goodness. Oh. And then number 24, Texas Tech. So that's just part of their their non-conference, right? Then the week that they begin ACC play. They host number one, LSU. Then they have Rice in between. Then they are at Knoxville for number two, Tennessee. Kind of a side dish, Rice. And then Texas. And then number four, Ole Miss. That is how they start conference play with a couple of non-conferences in between. Yeah. I'm uh, always really interesting uh and i and i don't know it yet to look at it uh a&m's pre-sec schedule because uh you know you mentioned who they're going to play or potentially play in Houston. yep um jim schlossnagel strikes me as a guy that's ready to play anybody mm-hmm. unlike his predecessor who would Fill his non-conference schedule typically with a lot of northeastern teams, and look, let's be honest. The idea was to pad to, to get as many wins as possible before, yep. and then say, "Hey, if we're good enough in conference, that that that's enough to get you in." But there, there's two schools of thought. There's one like, "Hey, let's play better teams," or you need to prepare us for conference, or let's play a bunch of. Uh, you know, maybe one or two good teams, but the rest, you know, teams we should beat. Uh, I think there's both of that. I think they, they have very tough non-conference, and they have some some that they should take care of business. What was it, the Penn Series last year that didn't go well for them? So they start off with Seattle U, February 17th. So we are less than a month away from that one. Seattle U to start. I didn't know there was a U in Seattle. Elgin Baylor went there. Oh, that is that where he went? Okay. Then you got Lamar. Good baseball program. Uh, historically. I don't yep. know what they were like now. Then you've got Portland. The Pilots. And then it says HCU. Um, who's HCU? Houston Baptist became Houston Christian. I don't remember that Houston right? Christian, but HCU. Oh. Okay. 
Um, and then after HCU, they start that Shriners Classic, UIW at Rice, Northern Kentucky, and it begins. Oh, and, and Houston usually has a pretty good baseball yeah. team. They'll be at Houston right before the LSU game. <clears throat> I think that's a... That's a pretty good non-conference schedule. I think it is. And then, obviously, the conference schedule to start off. Like, mm -hmm. in your first couple of weekends, you could put some teams that are expected to be in the top in a pretty big deficit, or yourself could be in a deficit. Well... Again, I think this is a program that expects to be to be good and expects to beat good teams. Yep. So I, they'll say, yeah, let's, every team's going to have a few of those. Uh, yeah, it is games. Houston Christian University. Yeah, I think it was Houston Baptist. So they changed the name? I think so. Like recently? Yeah, I think so. Like last season they were still HBU. Yeah, right? that's correct. They changed their name, I guess, late last year to Houston Christian University. How did I not know this information? Been, you know, <clears throat> following Aggie sports too much, I guess. Probably, That's yeah. a, no, no such thing, by the way. Uh, you probably just busy with other things. Yeah, you know. I didn't know they changed the the V to a C. I don't know if I can adjust. Probably didn't report that on the news segment of the rap stations. No, no. Actually, last night though, for a few minutes, I did watch UMTV raps. I'm not surprised. Yeah, <laughs> they were showing some old school stuff. So, all right, as, as you mentioned though, and, and kind of like a theme from yesterday will be. Looking at this schedule, right? You cannot grade a team early on. You got to no. let it play out because we saw it with basketball. We're seeing it now, and you saw it last year with, with baseball. baseball. Yeah, absolutely, and it goes both ways. Because I can remember, again, I guess it was, I guess it's just a sore point of mine that they would play some guy, some team from say Bowling Green or. Hofstra, you know, somebody up in the northeast or the north, and it where they were still snowing in February, yep. and you know they hadn't even been outside yet, and they come down here and A and M would dominate them, what they would do even if those teams had been outside, and then that the, everybody would oh this team is going to be great, look how great they're going to be, and like yep. can you at least wait till they play a team with a pulse before you start crowning them, um, uh, so, and then like. Last year, they got off to kind of a rocky start. Guys started coming together. You know, to, you know what? I think now with the transfer portal and all the different things that are going on, because you know, the transfers in college baseball are so, so frequent now too. Yeah. I think you, now more than ever, you, you don't pay attention as much to the first month of the season. Yeah, let a team get guys trying to you know, fit together. If you want to be a part of the conversation, you can call us up on the hotline, 979-693-1150. What do you think about this non-conference baseball schedule? And and conference schedule, I should say. I mean, we knew most of the schedule, but I think with the rankings out there now, we know a little bit more. Uh, you can text us on the AMB text line as well, 979-693-1150 AMB, a college station branch of the Amarillo National Bank, Good Texas Banking, the website amb.com. We go behind the glass. Nick Savage is there. Nick, good morning. Howdy, good morning, y'all. What's up? A little tired. I had a late night road trip from Needville doing a little play by play, but mm. it's a lot of fun to be out there. The I know y'all care so much, but the Rattlers yeah. swept their. Did the Rattlers win? They swept both games. The men won in uh, double overtime, so it was a fun one. Bite them, Rattlers! Whoa, Bite them! Go back on camera. What was it? What did I just see? That was the Zaniac. The Zaniac. Oh, gosh. With a banana. The big shooter has his shooter on him. I don't know. A, is that a banana in it, his hand? It was. Who's all with you? I, I see big, uh, big shooter. Who else is out there? Got Cade to my right, and this Elizabeth again, just taking some notes, getting a little learning in, getting her up to speed. But 
Um, we're all excited about tonight. Huge game uh, for Aggie men's basketball. And 30 days is the countdown on the AM website for Aggie baseball. So getting a lot closer, about a month away. About a month away. Thank you, Nick. Let's go to the news and social center. This uh, young lady, I don't know if that's the proper way to say it, has been missing an action. We've missed Anna Rosa Peterson, oh. who's back. Good morning, Anna Rosa. Good morning. I've missed being here. I Have feel you? Like I, think I actually just really say. enjoy this job, believe it or not. Yeah, it's I, fun. I know you like it, but did you like, you know, when it's like a Saturday, you're not thinking, oh, I can't well, wait to get back to Well, maybe not on Saturdays. You know, weekdays, I'm like, oh, it's weird. when I, That's why I showed up yesterday to get some free chicken nuggets as well as see everyone. It, we have, uh, for context, we have some new faces around TechSags with our new intern program starting up. So it's been fun to see some more friendly faces around. But I'm, con- I'm confused. You you. You've been gone? Yeah. Oh, have you not Since noticed? Since you've been gone? <laughs> Am I that forgettable? I'm, I'm, I'm playing. <laughs> I think we have a song to come back with. Very Go ahead, Amber. Um, oh, God, no. Well, <laughs> wow. <laughs> really missed being, you know, dogged on. This is just I didn't dog on good. you. No, no. It, That's it's all okay. Owen right there. It's okay. You know, bring it on. I've, I've missed it. I really have. It hasn't been the same I without have, it. I haven't started yet. Just wait. Okay, good. Well, uh, we have some news in women's tennis on the heels of their first ever SEC tournament title and second SEC regular season championship. uh, They dominated the Houston Cougars and Prairie View Panthers, picking up a pair of 7-0 victories in a doubleheader at the Mitchell Tennis Center uh, to start off their 2023 spring campaign. That was this past week. And they will be competing Friday versus Tulane at noon, as well as Sam Houston and also on Friday at 4.30 p.m. And in men's tennis, uh, they open their dual match schedule this Wednesday, today, versus San Diego. Uh, first serve is at 2 p.m. at the Hogan Tennis Center. All right. Good stuff there. Thank you yeah. very much. I appreciate you, Anna Rosa. Did you see, and this is not to bag on the young man, this is just shows you it's not always, the grass is not always greener. Caleb Chapman already uh, entering the portal again. Yes, I did. Um, had one catch for 15 yards last uh, last season. Yeah, and I think it was early too, very early. And right? uh, I don't know this for a fact, but I saw someone put it on there, so that he had injury issues again. Yeah. So, yeah, good luck to him. Maybe she go to, somebody suggested Incarnate Word. That, 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 that could be cool. Yeah. When he's healthy, makes big plays. He's a good player. Yeah. You know, it, it is, I don't know if interesting is the right word, but people who get injured often, it doesn't go away typically. No. I'm not saying it, it's impossible because it, it, there are guys that have battled back by all means, but, you know, guys, I think early on, Grant Hill was very injury prone or, you know, and then his career was never the same, but uh, not early on, but at, at a point in his career. But once you start getting injured and it starts popping up, um, it's it's very hard to get through that. Well, you know he's been um, uh, he's been a perfect example. Hell, when he's well, but Hell. always sick. Yeah, he's he's always sick. Hey, I I'm gonna ask I'm gonna read you this little quote. So the Cornell outgoing <coughs> athletic director, his name is Andy Knoll. Don't know who he is, but uh, I know Cornell. I was considering going to Cornell. Were you? No, I'm kidding. And. Um, he had some comments about NIL calling it an absolute disaster. And by the way, we all know it is, but we all understand some of the good things. I'm going to read you. Wait, some- wait, at Cornell? Yeah, Cornell. Yeah. See, you don't even, you shouldn't even be in the discussion, Cornell. <laughs> but I think he's talking big picture for college sports. But he, okay, go on. Well, 
And this is what he says, Andy Knoll. Um, and, and by the way, this is from a uh, On3 article. I'm just forced to say nationwide that NIL situation has been an absolute disaster. Programs can now, within rules, buy a team. I hope the pendulum swings back. I hope it will, but it's an absolute disaster. I could reel off many cases where athletes have been purchased under the guise of NIL and what they bring to their name and image and likeness, which in most cases is zero, but they still get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars. That's the worst change I've seen in my life in athletics. Well, first of all, if you can name them, then name them. All right. Secondly, you're Cornell. You're not even involved in this. You're not at the table. You're not even in the casino, right? You are not even in a state with legalized casino gambling. So don't, so you're coming and telling everybody else what they should do at the, at the tables, right? Secondly, uh, or thirdly, uh, <laughs> it's all worked up. Look, you're at Cornell. Go ahead and tell everybody how to run a hotel. <laughs> And that's about the extent of what what you are, you know, your nice Ivy League university. You are that's exactly the reason why this guy, the the major conferences should split because you don't ever want to be in a position where this guy who has no who has no dog in the hunt and never will is is you know talking about the evils of what you're if there was no nil. You're not involved in what is going on at, at that level. All right, but let me read you, because I don't think everything he says is off. Oh, I don't necessarily I with disagree it. with it, but... Yeah, but it, it, the source, considering the source. So here's now the uh, Horizon League, um, I guess, president. He says, what we've seen and read about the headlines, NIL is being used as a recruiting inducement. No kidding. That's obviously a concern, and we're seeing that happen at an elite level. That doesn't mean any of us are immune from it. Having worked for the NCAA in enforcement for a decade, recruiting inducements have been around for a long time. Captain Obvious. It's, it's, it's just what's always had been done. It's just legal. I got a Cornell story. Do you? There's Cornell? This, there was this woman who was a reporter in San Antonio that went to Cornell. I know this because she was telling me. Okay. We were covering a Texas and somebody volleyball game together. I don't know how I got that one. And she asked me, I got to finish my story. Would you look at my story and, and edit it? And so I'm editing it, and I'm, I'm rewriting her story. It was so bad. I said, you have to explain this comment here. You know, it's one of those, right. like, hey, you need to move. And so I get finished. It's the old days when you put your story in a, you, you put a phone in these couplers and send it. And so then she says, so where'd you go to college? I went to Cornell. I told me about, about the 10th time. Yeah. And I said, I didn't go to college. You didn't. No, I, I just went to work at a paper in Longview, Texas, right out of high school. So where'd you go to high school? I said, a small town called White Oak, Texas, up in East Texas. And she says, oh, so you're a hick, right? Oh, gloves and off. And I wanted to say, well, this hick, well, I did say, well, this hick just wrote your article for you, but I didn't add you Ivy League B. Wow. <laughs> you know? OB? So everybody from Cornell can shut the hell up. Everybody? <laughs> hey, uh, Mine Cornell is Andy Green. from the office. Cornell Green is the only Cornell I like. Cornell Green. Cornell Green played. Uh, at an all pro level safety for the Cowboys through the seventies. Chris Cornell. What the 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 when he a singer that yeah. died? Yeah, it's um, a good singer. Hey, uh, would you agree that living with pain not good? I I, I do it every day, it but sucks. it's not good, right? It sucks. Okay, well you said that, and it's true. How about living with pain when you don't have to? Well, I, that's 
What other other Th- word is worse make, than sucks? Th- that doesn't make sense. If you don't have to, you should go out and take Thank care of it. Thank you very much. Well, I've got exciting news for people who think that they have to live with it. You don't have to. Uh, you don't have to go through another year in pain. Next genera- generation pain management has arrived here. It's called QC Kinetics. you got to jump on it. QC Kinetics is the nation leader in cutting-edge regenerative medicine. Regenerative medicine is taking care of lots and lots of people here in, in, in town. It's an all-natural process that uses highly concentrated healing properties from your own body putting them directly into your achy joints to restore and repair that damaged tissue. I'm talking about lasting pain relief. No drugs, yay, no surgery, no downtime. Pro athletes have been doing this for a long time. Just Google it. You'll see it's all over the place. I'm talking like Hall of Fame level, guys. QC Connects has got over 100 clinics in America, and they're here with regenerative solutions and get you moving again this year pain-free. So if you're sick of living with, with pain from arthritis or injury, call the local medical professionals at QC Connects for a free consultation. 979-452-6000. That's for, uh, QC Kinetics, 979-452-6000. That's 979-452-6000. Well, I, had a, I worked with this guy in, in Nashville, and he's now the AP writer for in, in uh, Milwaukee. Uh-huh. He's an outstanding reporter. His name's Steve McGargy. We got along great. He was a little bit quirky. He loved Kelly Clarkson. I did not know this until one day when I was bagging on her, <laughs> and, and he lost his mind. I mean, he, his fandom went. He wasn't just a fan. He's like, like a super fan. Yeah. Hold and on. He, what's there to bag on her about though? Like she's great. Um, I will. Uh, Can you give her? Okay. I don't listen at all when I say zero zero dot com. Right. But uh, she's obviously very good at her craft in that genre. She's fantastic at that kind of music. Well, I'll say she's. She has she has been successful. Uh-huh. She's a Burleson elk, so I'll give her that. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. But her music is... It's not your kind of music. It's not my kind of music. If you had to go... Like, let's I, just say... I actually was you're in You're a prisoner, right? And they go, I, pick your poison. 24 hours of Kelly Clarkson or 24 hours of that rap that Bronnie played for you that day. Oh, I'd take the rap. <laughs> Even though I think at the Cotton Bowl one year, we were at a deal and they had Kelly Clarkson, I think, performing. And all I did was go upstairs where they had all the food. And I think Lucci was like in a mosh pit with the, with, in the Kelly Clarkson mosh pit. If I have Is that, that right? If I have that correct, yeah, I think so. Well, he, he made Texas in Look, a minute. To, er, ever, to each his own. To each his own. Or in, in Kelly Clarkson's case, to eat. Okay, <laughs> Texags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We're here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It's the go hour, and we're about to go out of here. Uh, presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. Maroon never looks so good with Maroon U. Opie, I wanted to talk some basketball here. We may push it back a segment. N- not that this is breaking news that really affects A&M big time, but it does. there is a, a little ripple effect. So I'm trying to find where it went. But basically, Walker Howard, according yeah. to On3, is going to Ole Miss. Walker Howard. He was, he was the, the LSU, LSU quarterback. Yeah, he's going. So that means Jackson Dart and uh, Walker Howard are going to battle it out for that, that spot. He'll have four years of eligibility there, so yeah, he'll be there for a while. It strikes me that means that uh, he probably is going to spend a year learning behind Jackson Dart and then look, assuming Jackson Dart's going to try to go to the NFL, which I don't see, but, you know, and then – Howard will be the next quarterback at Ole Miss. I will. I will give Ole Miss this. I'm not a Lane guy, uh, but he. Th- th- 
They're pretty Quarterba- good. A lot of transfers. quarterbacks want to play for him. Yeah, and, and, and transfers are yeah. going there too. Yeah. Um, well, quite frankly, he needs the transfers. Yeah, he needs the transfer portal. That's true. He does. Although, Quinshawn Judkins pretty. Darn, he, he's yeah. he's dang good, but he yeah. doesn't recruit at a at the same level typically as his uh, rivals in the SEC West. Yep. So he has to compensate by uh, by doing well in the uh, portal, and he has. Yeah, he's. And you know what? A lot of guys like kind of like wearing the black hat. You know, say so they're attracted. That's why Miami was so good for so long in the. Yeah, but eighties because hey man, you could. In but 90s. Miami. Yeah, I, you want to go there. I, I agree with you, but Miami also was winning. 10, 11, you know, whatever it was in national championships, you know, and, 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 and there was a different kind of cool factor. Like Jimmy Johnson was cool, and I know he wasn't there that long. Dennis Erickson wasn't so cool. Um, but Jimmy, there was a cool factor to Jimmy. I, I just think that the, yeah, but part of that was where the, is kind of, but part of that is where the bad guys. Yeah. Well, so is A&M in a way, right? It's, <clears> except A&M doesn't want to be the bad guys. I, yeah. Well, they say A and M is the bad guy. Do you do you see A and M go out and cheap shot guys all over the place? The, the, what makes A and M the bad guy is that they the, play the game better than everybody is, else. Is the national media pissed off that a team that's not uh, in their caste system is not accepting their place in the national media's caste system yeah. would design for them? Uh, are going out and and doing things to ruffle feathers and not kissing the ring of Nick Saban and so on and so forth. Uh, before we hit a break, let's hit the let's play the age game real quick. You're familiar with who Jack Tripper is, right? Yeah. Anna Rose, any chance you know who Jack Tripper is? I don't. He's dead. Okay. Well, yeah, well, he the the character might be alive. Well, it, the character goes with the guy. Okay. Well, the reason I bring it up is on the tweets, which you probably never look at, that I always do. I I put a GIF to kind of talk about something to sum up what we may be talking about. It's a GIF of uh, Jack Tripper shooting. Little uh, shots because we're going to talk some basketball here in the next segment. So I, I, I forgot about how much I enjoyed Three's Company. Back John, in the day. John Ritter played basketball? I think on this episode he was doing a two foot shot or not even a one foot D- shot. Does it look awkward? It does. Yeah. It I'm, does I'm look not awkward. Surprised. But uh, I used to love that show. You know, I was kind of partial to Janet. Janet, yeah. Yeah. I guess I've always liked brunettes. Yeah. Janet was fun. Yeah. Let's talk about the Association of Former Marianne, Students. Janet. They've been around for over 140 years, and your financial gifts have empowered them to be here, to be there, to be everywhere. Anna Rosa, you need to watch a, a YouTube clip of Three's Company when you get a chance. And, uh, and, and then you can watch uh, IamTheWhy.com. You can do both at the same time. They've Sounds been around, good. All right? They've been around for a long time. Yes, how sir. many people would, be, would form – how much company would you have – if you were part the of the Network, uh, the former students, the three, um, the three's th- company would be like three millions company. Yeah, three like billions. My company. family's three, three Aggies alone, right? Yeah. Like imagine that Aggie network around the place. Yeah, this is an awkward uh, commercial, but you know what? Randy appreciates it. Uh, they've been around for such a long time, helping Aggies everywhere. So that's why I say go to IamTheWide.com. IamTheWide.com, a website that has a collection of Aggie stories, so you can feel like three's company or three million story uh, company because. Ah, this is just a disaster. Go ahead and tell How me. many Aggies are there in the world, do you think? I don't know. Anna Rose, can you Google that? <laughs> I'm on it. Thank you. How many former students? Yeah, we're going to definitely make it. You think there's a million yet? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. I am the Y.com. I am the Y.com. Tell me more. Journey? Is this Journey? What? what uh, something. 
wheel in the sky keeps on turning or something. Oh. Sorry. Not, one of, not on my regular playlist. I think so. Okay, I believe you. It's Texas Radio. We're presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. I spent way too much time listening to music back in the day. Yeah. That's all right. I watched a lot of sitcoms. I did that too. Yeah. What was right. I doing with my life? So let me just give you a random name see if okay. you know what show he's from. Okay. Larry Appleton. Larry? No. no. I'm pretty sure that's Perfect Strangers. Oh. Does that, do you ever watch Perfect Strangers? Is that the one with the cousins? Yeah. yeah Matthew Bartokamas? I liked like once or twice. I didn't think it was funny. Mr. Drummond? Yeah, I know that one. Which one? What show? Drummond. That wasn't that different strokes? Yeah. What you talking about, Willis? Yeah. D- does any of this make sense to you? No, I'm terribly lost, but my I guess my age is showing. I was saying I feel like I'm starting to be out of touch with the... No, you're not. Well... <laughs> I feel like I got I, one for you. I feel like I'm growing out of like the slaying pop culture of you know millennial stuff. But you just said slaying in the sentence, so yeah. I think you're still okay. in it. Oliver okay. Wendell Douglas. Oliver O D. Oliver Wendell Douglas. O W D. Well, I don't know who is. Okay, it? I'm not going to tell you. Somebody will tell you. It's old school. Old school. It's old school. Yeah, like uh, it's not. It's not black and white. Old school. Okay. But it's old school. Oliver Wendell Douglas. Somebody will tell you. Did you ever watch Charles in Charge? A couple times. That was a good show. Uh, yeah, uh, it was all right. Willie Ames, big fan of him. Uh, wasn't that like Eight is Enough or something? Eight, like and that? Charles in Charge. Okay. I think he was Buddy Limbeck on the show. Oh. So I didn't watch a lot of Charles in Charge. Well, I know Scott Bio was in charge. Uh, we, you know what? We may, Oliver Wendell Douglas. We may, at some point during the summer, because right now we got too many things going on, play a game of random sitcom characters with between you and Billy or you and somebody and make sure that we, we see who really knows what show they're from. Okay. Let's play that game. I used to be able to do a sing. I wouldn't sing, but almost every theme song. By the way, um, 640,000 people, um, according to Mr. Google, about uh, the association recognizes that number as part of the Aggie network that oversees 251 clubs worldwide. So there you go. That's a bunch. That's a bunch. And, and growing. And absolutely That's growing. That's a whole squad right there. And growing. <laughs> we are Texas Radio, presented by David Garner's Jewelers. I- no, never mind. In the Rollo Insurance Studio, it is the Go Hour presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. If you want to text the show, you can do that. Uh, 979-693-1150. That is the A and B text line. OB, I, I, I expect you to guess correctly, but I'm just going to ask you a question. Do you think A&M in the bracketology game today sits in one of the uh, teams in the tournament? Today? No. No, I don't. Okay. I think A&M is starting to get into the discussion, uh, but... Um, you got to win. You got to you got to continue. You know, you've got four wins. That's really good. Uh, one of those teams was ranked. Yeah. But what you did in non-conference again puts you so far back. You, you're like that horse that's gaining on the, you know, on the outside here. And here comes a And M. But you know, you still got a ways to go. But you got a ways to go. Now he's this horse. Is is in full gallop and it's making up a lot of ground, but it still has some ways to go. We got to see how much stamina this horse has. Do that again. <laughs> so, according to CBS's bracketology, A and M not in, not listed as one of the first four out. Mm. But according to ESPN, A and M still not in, but first four out. And I'm going to tell you the company that they hold there. Okay, Kentucky, who you're going to play pretty soon. Who had a good win last night. West Virginia, Northwestern, Texas A&M. Those are your first four out. So you're in the discussion. According to, to right. ESPN. So yes. just, you know. Joe Lenardi. Uh, you know, just keep playing good basketball and you'll work your way in. Yep. Yep. And 
Does that and I I don't want to say tonight's game is it is uber important, but it's not like season on the line kind of important. But you could do yourself so much goodwill by winning this game, taking two from Florida, who might be a bubble team when it's all said and done, having that over them, and then knowing you have two of your toughest games. Believe what you want about Kentucky. You've got Kentucky and Auburn right after tonight's game is so important. Oh, you know, uh, you can't afford home losses. I mean, it doesn't mean if you lose tonight that you're torpedoed, but you know, Buzz himself said, I mean, you gotta you gotta protect your home court. You don't get a lot of you don't get a lot of credit for winning at home, but you do get uh, a lot of debit for losing yeah. at home. So um and this is a team you've already beaten once, even though it was a difficult win. It was on the road. Uh but they're playing good, playing well. They haven't lost since losing to A and M. So you know what it is is you just got to keep building. So is it a is it a big game? Absolutely. Is it a game that just torpedoes your your hopes? No, but you just got to keep building on it. There, at this point in the season, there is no torpedoing your hopes, right? Uh, now, no single one game. N- no, but if you start falling into a deal where you start losing multiple games, then um, like I said, you're already came into SEC play behind because of what what you did in non-conference. Yeah. So if you if you don't I, I think Buzz even said, "Hey, we're going to have to win go 12 and 6 and maybe 13 and 5 to be you know to, to be a team that that feels strong about getting in." Now, that's not to say that and that, that should guarantee them in, but we never know. Can 11 get them in? It better be the best 11, and then you better win a few in the, in the tournament. But I'd rather not be in that position. If 11 gets you in, you better have a win over one of those 11, better be over Tennessee or Alabama, and you need to take care of this one and knock off Kentucky because it still has cachet. And wait, Kentucky looks like they may be starting to figure things out. Well, and I'm just looking at what they have here, right? At Kentucky, and Kentucky may have figured things out, right? Uh, we'll see. Back-to-back wins, and they looked pretty good in the second half last night. At Auburn, they're a quality opponent. Mm-hmm. Got to play them twice. Vanderbilt had a big win the other day. I don't know. They if beat Arkansas. Yeah, I don't know if they're legit or not. You get them here, and that's huge. At Arkansas, look, I know they've struggled a tad bit, but that's still a quality opponent. And then George Auburn again. So George's, George's playing some decent ball, and then Auburn, yeah. So, so uh, They're that, all important. So Yep, they're all, they're all important. And, and by the way, why not be uh, the way you're playing – why not be thinking, hey, you know, we could win the SEC? That's what, that, that's what Aggie baseball was thinking. Let's win the SEC West. So. Certainly possible. Win tonight. Yeah, they, they, they have to win. What do you think is the key to tonight? Stopping Colin Castleton? Because like, they basically have really neutralized the team's top scorers okay. in all these games. Yeah, okay, first of all, make sure your jerseys are there. Yeah, that's important. Right. We need that point. Uh, yeah, neutralize Colin Castleton. They still do so much through him. You're going to have to really uh, get the ball out of his hands and then defend aggressively like you always do and um, maybe do better than you did in the first game uh, defending the three-point line in the second half. Uh, but um, – you know, defend aggressively like you have been. You've been pl- you've been defending at a at an elite level, at a championship level. So keep that and and avoid the long stretches of of uh, scoring drought. Yeah, yeah. Get get to the get to the line, make your free throws, do what you've been doing. They've been shooting from three point range better of late. 
let's let's hope that's uh, not just a an anomaly. Let's hope they can keep that up. Let me ask you this: <clears throat> When A and M figured things out, you know that they had really figured things out when Quentin Jackson. I'm talking about last year. Mm-hmm. Didn't always have his best game. He had some great moments, but. And they were still finding ways to win games. I think this A&M team recently has been doing that because, what was it, uh, Boots Radford recently? Um, he, he had a really big game against Missouri, right. but he only has four. <coughs> four. And if you were to read that box score and think, is A&M going to beat? I, I think South Carolina you, you should beat, but Boots Radford with four should scare you. And it didn't. They, they won by 40. Well, because, you know, they, they've 41. had such balanced scoring. Yeah. And... They're not having to rely on one guy. Uh, Wade Taylor's playing at a really high level, scoring at a high level. Uh, Marvel's giving you something you haven't had before in the inside scoring, and they're shooting free throws pretty well. Um, Dexter Dennis is starting to add some offense to that defensive presence he is, and you hope he can keep that up. But, um, you know, it's just hard not to look at this basketball team and be really impressed that – the key is, though, you this team can't 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 take a night off. Now, defense usually doesn't take a night off, but if they continue to play the style of play they are with the same tenacity that they've shown, then they're going to be a tough team to beat. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, uh, Boots Radford against this Florida team had a pretty nice performance. Seventeen points in that game. Yeah, he and Marble and I think Taylor all had seventeen. Yeah, and and. I, it's pretty cool that the bulk of your team has played well together in SEC play because there's times in non-conference Dexter Dennis wasn't doing something or maybe Boots would have an off night or you know several guys you know uh, Julius Marble but those guys have all been factors and then Henry Coleman has found his swagger as well. Yeah, it's all you know things are going really well for this team when Henry Coleman is like the fourth or fifth guy you mentioned. And here's a guy that's been double doubles. Double doubles like yeah. crazy. But you go, man, look what Dexter Dennis done. Look how Wade Taylor's boots Radford. Oh, yeah. And Marble. And then you get to Henry Coleman. And you think, man, that's a really good basketball player. He's really productive and doesn't complain about anything. Just goes out and do, plays good basketball, does what he's asked to do. And he's the fifth guy you start talking about. That's when you know you've got a really good basketball team. Henry Coleman looking at his numbers right now in South Carolina, 12 and 11. Against Mizzou, ten and ten, and and really the the game against LSU. I mean, he was fine. He, he didn't have big numbers, but seven and six. You'll take seven take and six. Seven and six. Absolutely. All right, let's hit a break. We'll come back with Anna Rosa's word of the day. We haven't had that in a long time. We've got some other stuff to get into. Get to your text messages on the A and B text line. You are listening to Texas Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. Do I go into the Regal Beagle? It's a place you can meet friends. Yeah. Yeah. Anna Rosa, are you familiar with this song? Keep the song going. Oh. You, no. can, you can be honest. You don't know. No, it. I don't know I don't it. I was to trying know. to see if I could because I didn't hear really the first part. Did, did it, no one has texted in? To oh, te- we got we got to an identify Oliver Wendell Douglas. Yeah, we we got it in there. By the way, that version of the song can't be the original that we heard, like on the show. It felt, it felt like the fake people singing it. No, I think that's you it. think that was the original. Yeah. yeah, I think that is it. What is this song playing right now? Thank you. Uh, I, don't, I don't. It felt a little different to me. Hmm. Hmm. That's from the show Three's Company that we were talking mm, about, Anna Rosa. Okay. 
It is Texas Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It is the Go Hour presented by the warehouse at CC Creations. Anna Rosa, before we get to the word of the day, why don't you read some text messages? One of those for OB, who, what was his name? Wendell? Oliver Wendell, Wendell Douglas. Oh, yeah. Oh, let me get to it. Well, are we referring to Ross's text? Because I really liked that one. You, you know what, Anna Rosa? You do, you. Do you you All right. choose. All right. Well, he said, OB, did you ever consider if the Cornell young lady reporter was flirting with you in that story you shared? There's a reason that the office made Andy a Cornell grad. Eventually, they're lovable, but ultimately, they're geeks. I think if you were trying to hit on me... Uh, Call me a hick is probably not the way. That's to go not the about way. It. Yeah, in kindergarten, that's how like people show that they're interested. You know, they'd be mean or not kindergarten, like in grade school, right? Like when people are mean to each other, that's what you do to show you're interested. I don't think you do that as an adult. Yeah, usually in my in my past, when a woman was kind of flirting with me, she was just she was never calling me a hick. She was just you know she was throwing you, herself at me, calling you a young stud. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, they're called that either. Yeah. <laughs> And Rosa, how about the one from David and Temple? Oh, yes. He says Green Acres. Green Acres. Yep. Yep. Bohunk also says it as well. Let's see, yeah. I'm impressed with him. Hey, yeah. one, uh, one more. Why don't we do JW? All right. JW says net ranking yesterday was 57. Bubble teams typically around 42 in net, just FYI. Huh. You got work to do. Yep. And that's why you don't want to, uh, you've got momentum going. And if A&M's eventually going to lose a basketball game or two or three or four. Yeah. It's ha- it's going to happen. You're in a a good conference, but you got to keep this, you got to protect your home court and you got to keep this momentum going as long as possible. It's not going to be easy. It's not supposed to be easy, but you're playing good basketball. Protect your home court. Keep it going. All right, Anna Russell, what's the word of the day? All right, it's pretty short and sweet. It's simple, uh, but it's called he's him, if you've ever heard Pardon? it. Pardon? Either, either you would use the word he's him or you would say him. Uh, and this is used to describe anybody. It's If you've heard the expression like, oh, he's the man. Yeah. But it's Often. basically the same thing. He's him. He's him. Uh, Michael he's, Jordan. He's and, him. Yes, anyone who comes to mind that is an absolute stud, yeah. it, it's appropriate so, for you to call them Yeah, yeah him. that's what they used to say when they were trying to hit on me instead of calling me Hick. You know, He's him. Yeah, yeah, maybe that's what she meant to say. You're him. Yeah, <laughs> Hick, him. Uh, Logan Lee? He's him. Him, yeah, for he's sure. Him. This is usually used to refer to males. Uh, I guess oh, yeah, I it, it <laughs> could be used for you know anything nowadays, but I've personally only heard it to describe males that are just doing something outrageously incredible. Um, and so anybody that's a stud, anybody who's the man, um, I would say Cowboys kicker is not him, uh, Brett Ma- Maher. Not after um, last In fact, RG3 tweeted they might leave him in Tampa after the game. Um, so he's not him, at least wasn't on Monday. But anyone who's high-performing stud, everyone at TechSags is him uh, for sure. So mm. I'll leave you with that, though. I would like to see if y'all could – put it in a sentence and we, we also need to do your word of the day ob we can't forget about that <laughs> not to put you on the spot i have a word of the day well, well we had talked about maybe know. my yeah. words of the day can't be typically can't be said on the radio right. <laughs> um you know who um i'll go with one julius marble he's him right now he is he's him wade taylor he's him oh for sure buzz williams he's him. him yeah a lot of a lot of hymns going around. Oh, yeah. Stetson I, Bennett? Going to sing some hymns. 
Uh, Stetson Bennett was in Georgia. They tell you he's him. Yeah, but he got in trouble the other day. Nothing major. Apparently, he was on his phone a lot during the uh, parade. So? Yeah, and people were like, He's him. He can do whatever he wants. (laughs) Two-time national champion who can't go into the college football uh, Hall of Fame. Why? Because I believe he's never been um, All-American. All-American? Yeah. Got to be. Yeah, they have some bizarre rules about that. Yeah, I I think sometimes you can overlook some rules. There should be some kind of... uh, committee thing there let me read one last text message and this one is i'll, I'll let you do it um where'd it go why did i lose it um we did the net rankings one. Oh, here here you go Re- read the one train shiner i'm sorry oh yeah that's a good one he says i'll play name the show character less nesman oh wkrp in cincinnati you ever watch that show you I have no the chance. buckeye news news hawk award winner it was like news radio before news i radio. watched it just to Ogle uh, Lonnie Anderson. That's right. Lonnie Anderson yeah. was on that. Yeah, Jennifer. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. And I was, I was a teenager. Hey, um, <laughs> last thing for us. What do you think um, is the key to tonight? Just continue that defensive onslaught that sets up everybody? Yeah, I think you have to, uh, you have to neutralize Colin Castleton. Um, just keep him from having a really big game. But and, and, and then, you know, on the other end, you know, just – Get to the free throw line, make your free throws, do what you've been doing. You know, just keep playing at a very high level. I think they they know the the formula. Yeah, now it's just a matter of always applying it. Hopefully, they can do that. They need it. They need to keep getting. Let's get the five and zero. Let's uh, continue that because it's going to about to get tougher. Ob, thank you, sir. Bit. When we come back on Tech Sags Radio, John Harris, the professor, going to join us with his uh, A&M scouting report. We'll talk a little NFL draft with him as well. Chris Taylor with a player spotlight. We're turning the attention to a defensive player, somebody who's coming back. That's your, your tease for that. Bronny at 10.05, Logan at 10.35. A lot to get into. You are listening to Tech Sags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. We're back. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Let's go straight to the hotline joined by my guy. He's him, John Harris, the professor, Houston Texans sideline reporter, footballtakeover.com. What's up, buddy? How you doing, David? I'm good, man. What's going, what's going on with you? Oh, nothing. Just uh, looking for a head coach again. So this makes, uh, what, um, 21, 22, three years in a row. So it's time to get it right. But um, I feel like there will be a lot of changes in the way that we're going about looking for a head coach. Um, I think what's tough, like we all think about ourselves, right? I think what's tough in, in my world is the fact that David Cully and Lovey Smith were just awesome. I mean, they were awesome to deal with. Um, the guy before them was very, very difficult to deal with. So Ben kind of threw it all, but they were just such professionals. They were so great. Um, and I love them both dearly. Um, but it's time to get this one right and get it right for the future, um, you know, the present and the future. Uh, so we'll we'll see what happens. I feel like this search is going a whole lot better than the others because it's a much more attractive job at this point for a number of different reasons, uh, two in particular. So hopefully we get it right and start getting this thing turned around where it should be for the great fran- fans and Texans, the people in the CH town. All right. So I think fans and I'm so intrigued by the name Sean Payton just because of what he's done. Um, and look, Drew Brees was great, but I, I used this um, equation the other day and tell me if you disagree with me. I look at what Sean Payton did with Drew Brees, kind of like what Mike D'Antoni did for Steve Nash, an all-star level point guard before he turned him into a Hall of Famer. 
I'm not saying that Drew wouldn't have found that Hall of Fame ability, but that t- those two were a match. Uh, how do you kind of break down Sean Payton as a head coach? I do not disagree with that. I felt like Drew was the right guy. And I've told this story before. I don't know if I told it on Texags about Drew. And, and I tell the story just to show what Sean Payton had in Drew Brees. We were playing them in 2019. And, and you know me, I usually get to the game. I go on the first bus. So we get there like three hours ahead of time. And so sometimes when you get there that early, you get to see some stuff. And so Drew Brees was going through a pre-pregame workout up and down the field. He would get the play call. He would go – like a lot of guys would just go through a throwing, you know, program. Drew Brees would take a snap. He would make a throw. And then he would reset his body, look somewhere else, fake another throw, reset his body, and make another throw. So he was making every throw in the progression of that particular play. I had never seen a quarterback do that, ever. And that was 2019. So I – I mean, I'm 47 at the time. I still haven't seen another quarterback do that. All quarterbacks just come out, you know, they'll flip it around, you know, sidearm this, and, you know, we'll make this throw. And, you know, the Rams and Jared Goff were the one that I saw go through a program like that, but not quite like Breeze. And where it clicked with me is, I'm not sure where he learned that, but that's what Sean Payton was dealing with. He was dealing with a guy that had the details down to that very minute level. And I don't know that Sean Payton will ever find that again, that particular person that has the details so fine. There are some that mind their P's and Q's, no doubt, but Drew is a different dude from that perspective. That I don't know whether Sean Payton will be able to find. But I do think Sean Payton learned about coaching Drew Brees and what that was like and what he could do with that sort of quarterback. And I think the one thing that he'd learn most from Drew is he'd want the cerebral toughness that Drew had. Drew was as smart as you could get. He worked at it. You know, in his bye weeks, Drew used to go to the field by himself and go through a game. Like, you know, Russell Wilson, but he didn't, he never told you about it. You know, it took others to tell you about it. Russell Wilson to tell you about it or do it right on the field where everybody can film it. Drew Brees would go during a bye week to the practice field and do the whole game script, sitting on the bench for the defense, like the whole thing. So, Sean Payton may have gotten spoiled that way, but there's some things I'm sure Sean Payton learned from that. And Sean Payton was successful with some other quarterbacks too when Drew ended up getting banged up. You know, Teddy Bridgewater had a good run with them when Teddy was healthy. So it wasn't as if it was just Drew Brees. And look, Sean Payton and Drew Brees had some bad years because they had some bad defenses too. So I don't think that a guy like Sean Payton is the absolute, no doubt it is going to be a championship here in H-Town, guaranteed. But I do think there's something to be learned from a guy like Doug Peterson. When you look at Doug Peterson and what he's doing in Jacksonville, you know, Doug Peterson was not the original choice for that job. Ironically, the choice was Byron Leftwich. He played quarterback in Jacksonville. He'd been the guy. Byron Leftwich did not want to be head coach with the GM of Trent Balky. He, had, he wanted to bring his own guy. And Sean Conn said, thanks, but no thanks. They called up Doug Peterson. And Doug Peterson was like, yeah, I think we got something. Let's do this. And now Doug Peterson and the Jaguars are one of the hottest stories in the NFL. So I think there's something to be said for coaches that have been around, done it. You don't have to win a million championships to, you know, convince a fan base. But if you've been through the ringer, through it all, I mean, Sean's lost some big NFC championship games. He's won a Super Bowl. I mean, he's been there. He's done that. And I think it adds some gravitas to this job, which I think becomes very, very important. And it shows the fans also that 
the McNair family and Nick Casario aren't settling for for guys anymore. It's like, no, that part's over. You know, there, there are two people out of the building that needed to be out of the building. They're gone. There are no more excuses in that. There's a lot of draft capital, some cap space, some good young players to build with already. The job is attractive. Uh, you know, is it Cindy Crawford attractive or is it Margot Robbie attractive? I don't know about that just yet, but could it get there? Sure. I think it, I think it definitely could get there. And I think that's why hopefully Sean Payton is interested in the job. Now there's a lot that goes with it. You got to trade for him and then you got to pay him. So I don't want to spend the McNair money, but we do it all the time on the radio. So, you know, the money part of it, there's no salary cap for coaches. So just do it. The other part is the trade. And that's where I'm like, mm, I'm going to have to go a first rounder. It's got better, you know, bring a three ring circus that everybody wants to see with him to make that worth it for sure. But I'm down for it, man. We need it after the last couple, last three years for sure. You think they figure it out pretty soon, John? Well, you know, what becomes interesting in this is the other the other coaches. You got two coaches from the Philadelphia Eagles and who knows how long they play. Um, you know, Thomas Brown's involved from the L.A. Rams. They're already out. Uh, Igero Vero from the Broncos. They're out. So he. You know, there are coaches they can make a decision on right now. And I think there's always this hesitation to me that, okay, you might commit to a coach that, like, say you commit to one of the Eagles coaches. And they go all the way to the Super Bowl. I mean, that's taking it all the way to February. Well, what happens if all of a sudden uh, Nick Sirianni calls in one of those guys like Bill Belichick did Josh McDaniels a few years ago? The Colts back in 2018 at Josh McDaniels was all done. Chris Ballard had hired four coaches that McDaniels wanted, that McDaniels went, mm, I don't know, and turned it down. Like, wait a second, you've been our guy for three and a half weeks. And now, because it wasn't efficient, it turns down. So there's always that possibility it could happen with a team that continues on in the playoffs. Uh, and, of course, I'm burying the lead in some sense. The guy that I think a lot of people around here want is D'Amico Ryans. And the 49ers could absolutely um, go all the way and win the Super Bowl, too. So there would have to be some significant assurances if you had one of those guys that – we're not going to have any funny business. You're the guy. You're making this decision right now that you're going to be our head coach for the future. Shake on it. Sign on it. Let's go. Okay, rock on because you're going to have to hire coaches and do all that kind of stuff. So, And you can't wait till February 8th, whatever it is, to, to be able to do that. So that's always my worry with that. But if they decide Sean Payton's the guy and they've gone through and satisfied the Rooney rule and they decide Payton's the guy, then they got to work out trade compensation and they got to work out his compensation. And then potentially there. If it's somebody else, they just got to work out the compensation and make it work. So um, there are obviously some hoops and, and hurdles to, hoops to jump through and hurdles to get over. But hopefully it happens and happens within the next week or so. It'd be kind of nice. Johnny, let's localize it a little bit. Kenyon Green, um, what kind of year did he have? Well, a lot of people killed Kenyon Green this year. I will not be one of them. And I'm not saying that because I'm on Texas. I'm not saying that because I know – uh, his parents were loyal Texags listeners. Um, when I introduced myself to them in the in the uh, cafeteria after Kenyon was drafted, they were like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, you are Texags." They didn't remember me from Texans; they remember me from Texags. So, uh, which I thought was interesting. Kenyon, first of all, Kenyon came to camp way, way back. Um, he had there was something going on with his knee. I don't know. He had some sort of procedure with his knee, but he was slowed up in OTAs. And then he got to training camp. We're like, okay, he's starting to kind of get there all right we're in pads and he's gonna put pads on and then all of a sudden he got a concussion in practice after about two days in pads he missed the rest of training camp so 
the most valuable piece of a rookie season, I think, is that part in training camp when you're making an impression and you're striking every day. Then he got in the lineup and he kind of shook off the rust and he started playing pretty well. And then after the bye, he went to the Raiders and he got hurt twice in that Raiders game. And he wasn't the same all year. And compounding that was the fact that after we played the Raiders, he had to face Jonathan Allen, Dexter Lawrence, and Jeffrey Simmons in back-to-back-to-back weeks. And that really did nothing but erode his confidence. And he got banged up at the end of the year and he got back for the game against Indianapolis. And Nick Casario said the other day, that was arguably Kenyon's best game. So I think Kenyon can have an outstanding career. And I think Kenyon is going to have an outstanding career. And I think Kenyon understood, I got to get my body right. I got to get my body NFL ready, not combine ready, not draft ready. I got to get my body NFL ready. And I think that's what Kenyon's going to do this offseason. And if he can come back healthy, stronger, get his body in better shape. I think Kenny Green's going to be a fixture on his offensive line and the, the rookie ills are going to be behind. And people, people that were like, well, you got a kid, that's a terrible pick. You think Dwayne Brown was a bad pick? <laughs> I did. At the time, I thought it was a bad pick. And I was very, I was not a believer in, in Dwayne Brown. But Dwayne Brown was athletically gifted and he wanted it. And that was the most important thing. And Dwayne Brown became a five, six-time pro bowler and I learned a lesson from that. And I think Kenyon could be that guy. And I actually used Dwayne as a reference point for Kenyon. First rounder, struggled. You know, Kareem Jackson, first rounder, struggled. Kareem Jackson turned into a really excellent football player for us and then for the Broncos. I think Kenyon Green could be that for sure. He's just got to get through these this, this rough first year. And then after that, I think he's going to end up being a player. But this offseason is really big for Kenyon. He's got to get his body right. And after going through that first year, I think he's going to get there. And then we're going to have an incredible left side of the line for years to come with Laramie Tunsil and Kenyon Green. Now we got to figure out center. And I think an offensive line can really be put together for a while. John, I'm seeing a lot of love for Jalen Jones uh, recently on, on, on social media. Just to, when you look at his game, his size, what, what kind of NFL pro do you think he can be? I still think he's raw, but he's the exact size and um, build, height, weight, size, or height, weight, speed guy. But I think his game's a little raw right now still, which is to be expected. And look, that's that's not just a knock on Jalen. There are a lot of guys that, um, especially at that position, there are guys that are very raw coming in. And here's the one thing, too, about coming from college to the NFL at this position. A lot of positions, you know, I think we're just talking about Kenyon. The difference in facing even SEC defense alignment versus what he faced this year Night and day difference. College corners get away with murder. They absolutely maul wide receivers in college. If you breathe on a wide receiver wrong in the NFL, you're going to get flagged. And I say that in that you can learn some bad habits at the college level that are not going to help you at the NFL level. And if your game is already raw, kind of okay. It's actually not a bad thing because you may not have as many habits to break as some other guys that play maybe two, three years. The guy that had the best year at corner this year was Sauce Gardner. And I used to think that about Sauce. But his, his final year, he really started working on his technique and relying on his feet instead of his hands and mauling guys. And it paid off by the time he got to the NFL. I think Jalen has got tremendous potential. The combine is going to be big. It is for all guys that have got to play at that particular position. Um, it, also, it also fits a, an at, and fit is a, gosh, for a corner, a fit is huge. 
Tariq Woolen went in the fourth, fifth round of Seattle, but it was the perfect defense for him. Perfect. And he ended up being um, he ended up being a pro bowler. So the fit's probably the most important thing for Jalen. But from a height, weight, speed standpoint, he's exactly what the NFL is looking for. And when I start going through my mock draft, David, the number of times where I see teams that are looking for corners, there just aren't enough of them. So even at that standpoint, Jalen's going to be in really great shape. He runs well at the combine. or runs well at his pro day, whichever one he runs, if you're not both, whatever. Uh, he could probably write his ticket in the top 40 for sure. One quarterback that A&M faced that uh, I think, I don't know if high is the right word, but one guy you're intrigued by is uh, Anthony Richardson. What about his game makes you feel like his ceiling is so much higher? Man, we don't, we don't have long enough for this one, David, because this one's complicated. Because I love the guy. And I, I, there are so, and the thing is, which is weird, is I normally am not that guy. I mean, I love elite traits. I love this. I love that. And I don't love Will Levis. And he's got elite size and arm strength, all that. I do not like Will Levis. But man, there's something about Anthony Richardson I like. I really like. In fact, he'll be my QB3 um, behind Bryce Young and CJ Stroud. He'll be QB3. Well, Levis is going to be four for me. I just, I, I don't get the Levis thing. I mean, I've watched it. And I know some people, they're even close. Like my friend Frank Frangie uh, is a huge Gator. Went to Florida. He's a Jags play-by-play voice. He does not like Anthony Richardson. And I get it. I absolutely get it. Now, we – maybe part of it is the fact that we got Damian Pierce here and Florida didn't run him the football. Damian Pierce was almost a rookie all-pro because uh, – or, or he would have been if he had not gotten hurt. Richardson has every single tool. And, man, he's exciting. There are just some throws that he can make that others just won't or can't. And I'm intrigued by that because look around the league. Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, um, even Jalen Hurts. You know, I mean, Jalen does it with both. But those are quarterbacks that can make throws that other guys can't. Off-platform, sidearm, around their neck. I mean, whatever. That's – Sort of the way it is in the NFL. And oh, by the way, oh, he can run too. And I think you can have a really exciting offense. And by the way, in Houston, our offense was dreadful last year. So it could be exciting. Now it could be exciting both ways too. Um, there could be games like the one he had against Tennessee. There could be games like the one he had against AM. And there could be games like the one he had against Kentucky and Vanderbilt. And so I've watched those games and I see it. I'm like, man, I see it. I see it. I see it, but I can also oh, see the other side too. And, and that gets problematic, but I would take him. I absolutely, if Texas passed on, on a quarterback at two and fans panic, I'd take one at 12, unless I had to give that up for Sean Payton. <laughs> and that's the other key too. You can't, take, you can't take Anthony Richardson and just stick him into like what offense we had last year. You got to have somebody that knows how to mold quarterbacks, deal with a young quarterback, and get the most out of whatever that quarterback can do. And we've seen Andy Reid do that. We've seen um, Kenny Dorsey do that now with, with Buffalo and Brian Dable before him. Uh, we've seen Luke Getze do that with Chicago Bears, with Justin Fields. They came in. They wanted – Luke Getze was the Packers quarterback's coach. They didn't do that stuff with Aaron Rodgers. But now they're doing it with Justin Fields. And it's pretty remarkable to see how that offense became really difficult to stop later in the year. So Anthony Richardson becomes really attractive for me. And I, I see the warts, man. I see him. But I also see what he can be if you give him some time. 
Check out footballtakeover.com. He's got a write-up on C.J. Stroud, Anthony Richardson, and many other guys. Johnny, thank you so much, brother. Got you, brother. Appreciate you, man. Love you, man. Talk to you soon. Hugs, bro. All right, uh, John Harris there, Texan sideline reporter. Right now, Fargo's time, 1701 South Texas Avenue. Open Tuesday through Saturday, 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. They're closed on Sundays and Mondays. Call them up to get your order in right now. 979-778-3662. They've got uh, great tasting food. The the sauce is phenomenal. It's a secret, but it's, you know, you can taste it. You'll be like, oh, this is the best. That part's not a secret, just the, the way they do it. Uh, they sell out early on their specials, so make sure that you call them up. Today is Wednesday. So they've got uh, chopped beef on a baked potato. Tomorrow they'll have pork chops, mac and cheese, green beans. Friday, fish, corn, coleslaw, hush puppy. Saturday, the beef ribs, which are there on Saturdays and Wednesdays. So jump all over that. As I mentioned, yeah, Wednesdays. I forgot to tell you, but they got the beef ribs there. So jump on that. Fargo's has been about part of this community for a long time, and uh, that's why people keep flocking to it. It's the best barbecue uh, in town. I'm going to tell you that right now. And it's one of the top 50 barbecue joints in the world, according to Texas Monthly. 1701 South Texas Avenue in Bryan. Without a doubt, the best barbecue in town. That's your trademark because it's true. It's Fargo's. We're back. Tex-Ags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. The difference is real. They're an independent insurance company built around educating you on exactly what you're paying for, doing the shopping for you so that you can accomplish all of your insurance goals. They can write any form of insurance to anyone in Texas and several other states. Their headquarters is on Highway 6 right here in College Station. Call them up, 888-44-ROLLO, or go to rolloinsurance.com. So Ethan Jones, our stats uh, guy, has uh, some information for us as we get ready for this second battle against Florida here. And I'll just read you a little bit of the uh, – he, he sends me a report in Billy. Um, but he says, A&M's basketball team got an off to a great start in conference play, winning their first four SEC games by an average of 18 point eight points per game. The team has performed better statistically in SEC play in many areas. If A&M played like this the whole season, they would have been one of the best teams nationally statistically. And that kind of shows you everything right there. So they're non-conference, 45% shooting. They're now 48.5. That is 20th in um, in the country. Rebounds, 35.8 in the non-conference, 40.5 there in SEC play, eighth in the country. Points per game have gone up by two as well, 58th in the country. Now they're 101st. That just shows you what a basket, what a difference it can make. Uh, opposition points. They were given up 68 points a game in the non-conference. Now against, I would say, better teams, 59 points per game. That's 11th in the country. Opposing field goal percentage, 41%. They're now down to 38%. That's 14th in the country. Rebound margin, 4.1. Uh, now it's 14.8. That tells you the story right there. Look at that. 20th in the country in field goal percentage, 8th in the country in rebounds during this uh, SEC stretch. Points 58th, 11th in opposition points, 14th uh, opposing field goal percentage, and 1st in rebound margin. And that's why it's so crucial that they do that again this year. Um, absolutely. Um, I mean, not this year, tonight and, and moving forward. Uh, they're first in the percentage of a team's possessions that ended in at least one point. 14th in team true shooting percentage. All right, first in rebounding rate, 21st in defensive efficiency, and 13th in percentage of opponents' possessions that ended in at least one point. That is really uh, some really remarkable stats that we have seen here in conference play. And I'm going to read you his last line from the report he sent me because I think it kind of helps illustrate it all. The thing that makes these stats even more impressive is that their conference opponents had an average net rating of 186.3 while their SEC opponents had a net rating of 120.5. The team has significantly improved their performance against much better teams and much better competition. Excellent analysis there 
from uh, Ethan Jones. Again, there's a long way to go, right? We know that. But that kind of defensive effort, that kind of rebounding, that fuels your offense, which has improved, and a bucket more a game. You know, we talked about the AM football team, how they scored another field goal a game, another touchdown game, their record. Just two more points a game in their non-conference to conference, but their defense being so much better. You've seen the difference totally in, uh, in, in their, their winning. And they'll have another opportunity tonight as Florida comes to town, Colin Castleton and, and the rest of the Gators. We'll see uh, how that game plays out. Six o'clock start for that one. Hopefully Reed Arena is packed with students and, of course, fans everywhere. All right, when we come back here on Texags Radio, Chris Taylor going to join us for his player spotlight, turning our attention to the defensive side of guy coming back. That's all I can say. Right now we're talking Millican Reserve, farm-to-table community in College Station, homes, trails, farms, and wide-open spaces. Their mission is to build a healthy community around nature, and uh, they have respect for that native landscape and wildlife. 2,600 acres of open space, farms, and 30 miles of trails and homes. They connect families to nature, and by doing so, they connect families to each other because they do it all together, right? And families that walk together, hang out together, build lasting uh, relationships, an extensive network of trails out there throughout a wooded landscape, a variety of native species that find their homes right there at Millican Reserve and the preserve woods, the ponds, and the peaks. And it's such a nice place to go hiking, biking, canoeing, kayaking, equestrian trails, the evening yoga, the summer camps, the music festivals, the farmer market tours, and the farm tours. It is uh, MillicanReserve.com, the website, MillicanReserve.com. And we're back. Tech Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. You know CT's got a real meeting, I can tell, just by the outfit, man. This guy is. He's, <laughs> he's ready to do a, a performance out there. Let's go to the hotline. Chris Taylor joining us. Good morning, CT. Good morning. Hey, I'd rather be in joggers and a pullover or something, but some days does require to put on the button up and, and go be presentable. So we'll, uh, we'll see how the day goes. CT, I've flirted with the idea that it'll probably never happen, but we should have like dress up day at Texags, right? Like treat it like sports center, treat it like, you know, a news, like Nick has to dress up. I got to dress up. You know, Billy's going to do whatever he wants to do. But like, I, I do it on certain days where we have like press conferences or shoots, but like, I think we should have like a staple day every... Hey, you better bring that suit. Hey, I think Bronny's the one you got to worry about. I, I can, I think he'll clean up nicely, but I, I see him being the one that that uh, fights that a little bit. Bronny in a tux—that's my goal. One day to see that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, um, let, let's talk about your player spotlight this week. Who are you picking? Uh, Damani Richardson. Yeah, I, I think that. Um, man, I went and 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 really did a dive on him and. I didn't know. I mean, the, the experience is there. Over 40 games played as an Aggie. I mean, led the team in tackles last season. I think in the 19 campaign had another 71 tackles. So you look at the experience, you look at the leadership, especially with guys transferring out in that secondary, getting some new faces in, really the only person coming back uh, on that back end with Tyreek Chappelle. So getting him back for another year, I think it, it is really going to be a, a big deal just to get guys lined up, make sure that they're in the right cover, just have the right checks and, and that they're, they're ready to go when the ball is snapped. I think even a casual viewer will notice Damani Richardson, right? Like, cause he has a knack for big plays, game changing plays, mm -hmm. plays that change the outcomes of a game. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, and I think we think back to the, to the biggest one, that Arkansas game, um, you know, being able to, to recover that fumble and, and, you know, get up the sideline and, and, and make a huge play. So 
Um, he's just he, he finds the football. He's around the football. Uh, but I think a lot of that has to do with he's in the right places. He's lined up where he's supposed to be. He has that veteran presence and he, he just makes plays for him on the back end. With the fact that a bunch of guys are leaving, right? You've got Jalen going to the NFL, Antonio uh, going to the NFL. How big is it they get this kind of veteran leadership back and a guy that really could have left last year as well? Yeah, I think it's huge because, you know, I think more importantly on the defensive side of the football, if you have one guy at a place, um, you know, on in the secondary, that can lead to huge plays downfield. So I think having that veteran leadership, all the calls, the checks, the things. And I mean, we've been at we've been at Kyle Field and we know how difficult it is to play when the defense is on the field. The crowd noise uh, is a factor in the game. And being able to to communicate with his guys on the back end is going to be huge. And you have a guy that's been in the system. He's been in this program. Uh, I think it's what year two of Durkin's defense, uh, whether they're going to have four guys on the back end or five guys, having him back there to be able to communicate and set the set that back end up. I, it's it's an invaluable piece to get back. No doubt about that. Talking to Chris Taylor here on Texags Radio, we are profiling Damani Richardson here on the program. All right, let's talk about his positioning when the ball's in the air. Anything jump out at you when you see him with space and the ability to jump up and, and make a play? I think he closes well. You know, he's able to get off the hash and, and to be able to cover that deep ball. I'd like to see him drive on, on some of those, you know, underneath routes where, you know, whether he's robbing or or he's down in, in support. But, you know, when any time that he's adding to the box and he's in there making plays and, and having to tackle – I think he's a pretty sure tackler. I think he, he, you know, he wraps the football up well. He makes the tackle, but I'd like to see him close on a, on, on those underneath those short to intermediate routes and be able to separate the carrier, the ball carrier from the football. I know I've heard his name before, but just when you see him, is he the kind of guy that can be a hybrid linebacker for you in certain situations? Yeah, it was surprising. I thought he was bigger. He looks bigger in his uniform, you know, when he's playing and. You know, looking at his size, it says he's only 6'1", 210. He looks a lot bigger than that. He looks probably, you know, 6'2", 220, 225. So I think he he is one of those guys that if, if you know, if DJ wants to bring him down in the box, kind of that rover situation like he played Antonio this past season, I think, you know, Damani has the ability to do it. But, you know, him playing center field back there, making those plays, you know, knocking those balls down, being able to close the distance and be able to help out over the top. I think he's made a good I think he's done a great job and will make a good living doing that as well. Does he have good closeout speed? I'd like to see it get faster. You know, I, I think he closes well, but I think he has the ability to get better in that aspect. Um, but again, I mean, it, it's you know, you're, you're asking your safety to play center field and he's doing his job. So. You know, if we're nitpicking and, and looking for things to improve on, hopefully he's doing the same thing to take his game to the next level. But being able to close out a little bit better, I think he, he can work on that and get, you know, be more improved on it. Talking to Chris Taylor here on Texags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. One of my favorite things to see is when Damani blitzes a quarterback because, uh, A, in that situation, he does have the speed, right? And uh, yes. he, he's got the ability to get those sacks, unexpected sacks. Yeah, he. I think he has a, you know, a, an ability to time the snap. I don't, I don't know if it's something that he's picking up in film study, or, or you know, he's just picking up during the course of the game. But being able to hit the line of scrimmage as that ball is snapped, he's aggressive through the point of contact with whoever's picking him up. 
um, you know, in pass protection and and he's made big plays on on being able to sack the quarterback and and make sure that it's, you know, it's during an untimely, you know, a, a time that we really need it. So he's done a great job in that aspect. Um, and, you know, I'm excited to see what he brings and what he's able to do in 23. Yeah, no doubt about that. Talking to Chris Taylor here. All right, so you've given me throughout some questions, different areas to improve. So let's kind of sum it up. Where, where do you want to see him take his game this year? Uh, route combination, being able to to dissect it a little bit faster and be able to close, you know, if he's in that robber position. He's coming down and he's finding that guy, whether he's helping, you know, on a receiver, he's bracketing, whatever the case may be. Uh, and j- then just being able to close out on that back end. You know, nothing should n- – there should be no balls completed on that back end as he's playing center field. He, you know, getting off the hash, being able to close that distance and then not only closing the distance and play the receiver – but also be able to play the football and, and make, you know, have those big interceptions and then those returns. So a couple of different things I'd like to see him, you know, work on in the offseason, be able to close and, and and be able to, to you know, have that identification with route combinations and close that distance with those short to intermediate routes. He's one of those guys that we feel is going to play at the next level. Do you think he'll play at the next level? I think so. And, you know, I, I sent you a text earlier this week and I, you know, him and Armani really remind me a lot of each other. And so I think right now, with the way things stand, Damani is probably that mid, that mid round guy, maybe fourth, fifth round. So he can improve his draft status, you know, this season with having a great season, being around the football, making big plays. And I think he can get himself down into that third to fourth round area. Yeah, it's interesting because over the last couple of years, I'd say this offseason and last offseason, he was listed as a tweener. So let's just say, mm-hmm. you know, he has a phenomenal year in A&M. The results follow. I mean, how much higher can he go? Um, I mean, you know, obviously you, you want to be in that first round. That's where you want to be. You know, that's where a lot of the money is, that they guaranteed money. And so having a, a, a year, obviously the tape doesn't lie. Everything that you see on tape, can a guy play football? You know, you can test and have the measurables and things like that. But when the when this film comes on, you don't show up. I think, you know, Damani is one of those guys that he's around the football. And if he can put another good year together on, on top of the ones that he's had, led the team in tackles last year, be around the football this year, just kind of be that person that Antonio Johnson was for the Aggies the last couple of seasons. Be that guy. I think he gives his, himself an opportunity to move up around maybe even two. Does he remind you of anybody that you've played with or that you've seen at the NFL level, the way he plays? Uh, being able to be around the ball and, and, you know, this name, Terrence kill, you know, the late great Terrence kill, he he would hit you and separate you from the football. He was always around the ball. He just had a knack for making big plays. So when I think of Damani and his game, I see a lot of those two guys within each other. Um, and, and, you know, again, you know, uh, Terrence was a, was an amazing safety. He didn't mind hitting you. Uh, it was a different time then, but Damani reminds me a lot of his game. Talking to CT here on Texas Radio. Let's talk about that group in general. So you know who's coming back, um, and, and we'll see if they add any other additions. But when you talk about the whole DB room next year with some of those freshmen that got that valuable experience and you know the fact that Damani's coming back, just that group in general, how do you see that, uh, the defensive backfield looking? It could be the best group on that side of the ball. That's saying a lot. You know, having that defensive front – we got a few guys coming in to play linebacker, but when you have a guy like Tyreek that that can take away 
a team's best receiver. Then you have, you know, the, the guys that are coming in that, uh, you know, in, in their past five stars, they've gone, they they have experience playing at the college level. And then you add a captain like Damani that kind of, that kind of makes it all go, you know, he's the glue that holds it all together. They have an opportunity to be the, you know, the, the most veteran, most solid bunch on that defensive side, just because of the game experience. Uh, they've all played in big games. They've all been, uh, you know, around the game. They've played, uh, top receivers and 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 tight ends and you know offensive players, so they have a chance to be really good. It's just a matter of can they come together? Can they gel as a unit? Because that that cohesiveness is is, is understated when it talk when you talk to a, a group that you know they have to stop the big play. So they have a chance to be really good. How quickly can they come together and to be able to work together as a unit? Yeah, and do you think maybe year two of DJ Durkin? Um, you know, a lot of times we, we hear about the offensive line and we can hear about a defense, right? Like in year two, a coach with guys who have been there, it just starts to click more. It does. And, you know, you, you've got you've got Tyreek, you've got Damani. They've been in it. Uh, you've got newer guys that are going to be adding in. And so I think guys are going to understand what DJ is trying to do. You know, I, I scream at the TV every time I see the three man front, but I understand that that fourth guy is a stand-up. You know, he is actually a defensive lineman in, in a lot of cases. And so understanding what he's trying to do, get his best personnel on the field, whether that's four defensive backs, um, you know, and four down linemen, whether it's three defensive linemen and, and five defensive backs, it's just a matter of getting your best personnel on the field and then get them in a, getting them in a place that they're comfortable, get them in a place that they're able to make big plays. And so – you know, whether that is the defensive backfield, I just think that this unit as a whole has to come together. They got to be on the same page with what DJ is trying to do, buy into what he's trying to do. And I think you can see an improved unit in 23. CT, next uh, week when we do this again, let's go somewhere else on the defense. What are you thinking? Linebacker, defensive um, line. Don't tell me who. Well, I mean, you you can't go wrong with a particular linebacker. But I mean, if you go along that defensive front, I mean, you can kind of close your eyes and take and just pick anybody. So we'll see. It, it should be good. All right. So I'll, I'll check with you next week and we'll we'll get it ready. That'll work. Thanks, man. Have a great meeting. All right. Sounds good. Thank you, guys. See you, man. Chris Taylor there on the uh, hotline. Appreciate his time on the program. All right. This is a cool kind of a cool thing. If you've got ideas and you think outside the box and you want to make some money developing that idea, you've got to uh, think about uh, doing this with Design Spark Accelerate. Uh, $50,000 to develop an idea. I think I like that. If you have an idea, a prototype or a startup in manufacturing industrial technologies, Design Spark Accelerate program is looking for you. They're now accepting applications for Accelerate, a technology incubator program located right here in Bryan College Station in the Design Spark Innovation Center in Lakewalk. They're looking for a new and unique manufacturing technology and people with deep rooted passions for their passion. So Design Spark Accelerate will help you turn your idea into a design or your design into a prototype, grow your, your customer base, increase your business acumen, connect you with industry leaders, and help you perfect your pitch to attract new investors. Selected applicants will participate in the 12-month program and qualify for $50,000 of in-kind funding. Design Spark Accelerate application deadline is January 31st. If you're ready to accelerate your idea, go to designspark.com slash accelerate to apply now. Designspark.com slash accelerate. And we're back. Tech Sags Radio presented by David Gardner-Schulers. We're here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. 
It is now time to go to the news and social center, Anna Rosa Peterson. All right. Well, Aggie men's basketball has a big game tonight, as we've already discussed. Uh, the team will host the Florida Gators tonight at Reed Arena at 6 p.m. So remember to show out for that. Um, and OB posted a great article previewing the game. So be sure to check that out on TechSags. In women's basketball, the Aggies will travel to Alabama to face the Crimson Tide tomorrow, Thursday at 6 p.m. And then in track and field, the Aggies will compete at the Red Raider Open this Friday at 10 a.m. in Lubbock. So be sure to check that out as well. Yeah, go. Uh, we had uh, Coach Henry in studio yesterday. It was always nice to have him around. And Erica Saris is back on the News and Social Center. So things are getting springy. Uh, without a doubt. Also, we're going to have Schloss hits uh, starting on January 31st, so we'll have some uh, baseball content for you real soon. We need to get uh, Kendall Rogers on the show, too, to preview the season, so I'll text him and, and get him on the program here ASAP because uh, we've got a lot of baseball to get into, along with some very good basketball that we hope continues. So, Nick, did you see that uh, your boy, SEC Mike, made a, a bold prediction? I did. Well, well, first of all, he's not my boy. He's your boy. Well, look, I don't know the dude. Like, I've had him on the show, and he's a very nice guy. Oh, you um, had him on the show, all right. Were you here for that? I was. Okay. It was like my second or third week, I think, and I was just like, are all these interviews this uncomfortable? Was it really that uncomfortable? It, well, for me, it was very entertaining, but again, very uncomfortable situation. Just, you know. Well, <laughs> and look, I actually talked to him afterwards. I was like, look, I, I shouldn't have handled it the way I did, but I'm still right. And I still feel that way. I still feel that way because uh, for those who don't remember, and I'm not going to try to bring that topic up, to t but I'm talking about his new prediction. But he basically said that, uh, you know, Hartman's a better coach than, than, uh, than Jimbo. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Excuse me, Hartman Pittman is a better coach than Jimbo. And I'm like, you kidding me, dude? Like he had one year that he beat him and he's been a coach for two years at that point, right? And no, I mean, now, can you say he's had a better two-year swing? I don't know. I mean, Jimbo's beat him two out of three times. And Jimbo's got a national championship. So that's an argument for another day. But that was why I had him on the show. Not, you know, not why I had him on the show. He, he, he does talk a lot of SEC football. And, but recently, he has like these bold predictions. And his bold prediction is actually nice towards A&M. He thinks that A&M, again, will beat Alabama at Kyle Field this year. Would I be surprised if A&M beats Alabama this year? No, I wouldn't. Do I think I can make that prediction today based on the information we have? I can't. I don't know. Sure, they can win. Alabama can win. I'm really close to the program. I don't know who's going to be the quarterback at Alabama next year. I don't know how they're going to fix that offensive line. I don't know how things are going to look with Bobby Petrino. So, like, hot sports takes, they are great for clicks and radio fodder. They're just that. Um, and look, thank you. Does that mean you think we're going to go one and eleven, or does that you think you're going to go ten and two? Because typically Alabama is going to be in the mix. So hopefully that is a a sign of respect that maybe Bobby Petrino is getting and Jimbo's partnership with him. But uh, again, they're just predictions. Thank you, SEC Mike, for that. Um, look, I I got no ill will for anybody. Well, I probably do, but not towards him. Like He's got opinions, and he says them, and whatever. I feel like I have a responsibility on this show to try to be as factual as I can, and, and I make my mistakes, too. And opinions aren't mistakes. They're opinions, so have your opinion. That's fine. Uh, I hope that 
A&M does beat Bama. I hope they do. But one thing I ain't going to do is build my brand on, on like, statements and clicks. That's just never been. And a lot of very successful people have done it. Skip Bayless, Stephen A. Smith. Like, there's a lot of successful people that, that do that. It's just not the way I, I roll. Um, and I know it sounds like I'm being judgy. I'm saying in this particular case, I don't know. Can A&M beat Alabama? Sure. Can Alabama beat A&M? Sure. I don't know. The last two years have been pretty darn good games. Like, really good games. I like the 41-38 to 38 game better. But this last year, considering what we thought about this A&M team and how, how tough Haynes played in that game, it was fun. All right, when we come back on Tex-Ags Radio, recruiting country with our friend Ryan Broninger. If you got questions for Bronny, a lot of junior stuff to get into and, you know, updates, you name it. We can do that on the A&B text line, that number 979-693-1150, 979-693-1150. At the end of the hour, we're going to have Logan Lee on the program. So looking forward to catching up with uh, Lolo. All that and more. You're listening to TechSags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers, right here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Welcome back, friends. It is TechSags Radio. We are presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. We are here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It is now time for Recruiting Country, presented by Caprock Health System, a faster patient-centered revolution in care with two ERs in Bryan College Station, the original 24-hour ER in South College Station on William D. Fitch, and the full-service hospital with ER in Bryan on Briarcrest. Online at caprockhealthsystem.com. Ryan Browninger with us. Good morning. How many times have you played the Tyrese Radford in the air tonight video? Have you seen that this morning? No, I have not. You haven't. You need to go to Aggie Men's Basketball Twitter. I mean, you talk about Nick. Get your get your day going with a little fire. Yeah, I'm on it. Well, they say a little piss and vinegar. I mean, it'll get you going. It'll get you going. All right. It's pretty cool. That's actually a really cool uh, video and also kind of like a promotion get to read kind of thing. It was, it was awesome. I'm surprised y'all haven't talked about it today. No, we'll, we'll, we'll put it on. Thanks yeah. for putting on me on blast. You're the new Nick. Thank you very much. <laughs> How you been? Good, man. I'm you, very sore. So you did this. You're, so Brody, just for those who don't know, it's not just a bit here on the show. Anytime I see him, he will tell me this is the latest workout thing I'm working on, right? And you, well, I like you go to, through you three weeks. I, I like appreciate the litmus this. test to let me know if what I'm doing is stupid or if you think there's some actual merit to it. Right. And uh, I, I really, I just know more than pe- people in this office, but I don't know a lot for the record. I just know more than people here. Well, I'll usually walk up to you and preface it that I got it from one of your... Sean Nawaji? Yeah, or one of the various fitness people that you follow on mm-hmm. social media. I follow them too. So I usually pull stuff from them. But I, I did... I'm doing this thing now where it's like a minute on, minute off um, as my second workout of the week, and I did hamstring curls with it the other day. So, like, I did that and on you're Monday. you're allowed to go super light with this. Yeah. And I did it on Monday, and I can, like, getting around, getting out of bed this morning was a huge task. So what did you ask me yesterday during our intern meeting? How many chi- – well, no free ads. How many chicken nuggets from a fast food restaurant – national fast food restaurant could you eat in one sitting if calories didn't count if calories didn't count and i think and I then said, you said 36 yeah because that's how many ounces yeah i was just guessing um but you're saying it doesn't matter i could definitely do in the 60s i'd say maybe 70s well that seems like a more realistic answer than yeah, what you but, gave but yesterday knowing i like, could do 100 no question anna rosa I honestly have a hard time finishing like the 10 count if I ever get that. Really? So, Are you kidding me? Yeah. That's hard to finish? 
well, they're the like thing poppers. Is, I can appetizer. eat a lot of food, but not in one sitting. So I, I would Sounds struggle like you can't eat a lot in of any food. of those so competitions. What does that mean? What does that mean? I don't know what it means. I just, you can't eat I a like, lot of food. You can eat a lot of food, but not one sitting. Yeah, I don't know what that means. I don't know either. I just like smaller portions spread okay, out. I can, I can roll with that. Of yeah. course you can. I, I have big portions. <laughs> I need somebody in here that will. I bet Richard could eat more chicken. Nuggets. There's no chance Richard eats more than I do, or could. No chance. I eat a. I eat a lot. Okay. Ob has been on the road with me. Do I make a healthy, conscious uh, decision sometimes? <laughs> Yes, because I'm very vain and I care what I look like. Yeah. But when it's time to eat, I'll throw down. Okay. I'll have an 18-ounce steak. I don't care. Let's go. Uh, okay. Well, we'll have to do it one time. Well, we've got to do it next bulk. <laughs> okay. I'm in a you mini cut You let me right know now. when your eating schedule will allow it. Well, I have, a, I have two, two more weeks of this mini cut. Then I'm going to go on maintenance <laughs> for two weeks. And then I'll be on a, a bulk for 10 weeks. Oh, a 10-week bulk. And then I'm going to be on a 10-week cut, but a slow cut. Okay. So I've got my next 28 yeah. weeks planned. <laughs> I got it. You psycho, dude. Yeah, I am psycho. I love it. <laughs> it's all about, I'm, you know, I am who I am. All right, let's, uh, let's get into things. So we'll start things off with what you tweeted yesterday because the schedule's been out, but uh, we're talking about Aggie baseball. I know we got to get into recruiting, but I, I do want to talk about that because you brought to my attention, and I should have just looked, that the A&M SEC conference schedule to start is no easy matter. Well, it's probably the hardest one in the country, right? Yeah. You start with LSU at home, then you go on the road to Tennessee, and then you get Ole Miss at home. That's three of the top four teams in the country right there, according to D1 Baseball's preseason poll, and A&M's number five. You've also, during that time, got midweeks with Rice, Texas, and Texas State. So no rest for the weary uh, in, the, in the midweek. You know, the SEC gauntlet remains the toughest uh, conference in the SEC West remains the toughest division in college baseball. It might be the toughest division in all of college sports. Yep. Um, I don't. I think you can make a very strong argument for that. But when you've also got the midweek sprinkled in against regional rivals that are going to, you know, Texas State's got one of their best teams. You know, they're coming off a fantastic season last year, uh, and they've got one of their best teams ever in a preseason. The highest ranking. You know, I think some of the publications have them in the top twenty preseason. Obviously, Texas. We know what they are, and Rice is kind of on their way back uh, with a new and improved ballpark. I guess it's not brand new. It's kind of revamped ballpark and a better roster than they've had in the last few years. So in that series of nine SEC games, you've also got three really important non-conference games. And look, having to manage all that, and, and Jim Schlossnagel has said multiple times he wants to win every game. Uh, but you know he knows that's not feasible, but that's still the goal. So Kind of seeing where the team is after one month of the season when you head into that little gauntlet there, that little stretch. Uh, seeing where they're at and then managing that 12 game. I think we're going to know a lot, lot more about this club after that. And that's, that's not by no means is that whatever they are after that nine-game stretch a depiction of what they're going to be throughout the year. I mean, Ole Miss snuck in last year as the last team in the field and won the national title. Right. So – you can have huge ups and downs in the SEC uh, on conference weekends, and it's just kind of about keeping your head above water. That's why I've, I've told people, uh, I've said on the radio, I've said on podcasts, I've said when I go and speak to, to certain groups across the state, I think the most impressive thing that last year's club did, even more so than making the Final Four, was winning the SEC West. Yeah. Because, I mean, what an impossible task when you look at just the amount of talent. And all of those games, David, and those series – and I'm, I'm excited to talk to Troy Clanch about this when he starts coming back and doing some work with us. They swing, the series outcomes can swing on one pitch. 
that's how tight the games are. That's how fine the margins are in this league. So looking forward to it. I, you know, we're just right around the corner, a month away from Aggie baseball. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. I'm looking forward to it. I uh, We got the Boots Radford video ready. Oh, cool. And I got a little text message, by the way, from somebody on the A&M staff. I won't say his name because I don't know if he wants me to say. Reminder that any amplification they need to get to read early to avoid traffic headaches is appreciated. Um, and he'll be sending me some promos uh, here in a moment. Actually, I got it right here. Let's uh, see if I can open up. Promo for tonight. Student, uh, special students only early doors. Uh, north entry of Reed Arena. Open at 430. Uh, opportunity to rock Reed shirt giveaway and fan zone north entry with tent and uh, 12th man rewards. 100 points. Pack Reed. Get out there. Pack it out. Let's go. Let's go to this uh, Boot Ra- Boots Radford video. I guess we got to describe it for the uh, radio audience, TV audience sees it. Boots is uh, playing the bass drum and the, the bass drum there, the band. Just, and getting the team hyped as they're getting. Re- they're probably practicing what's going to be played tonight, and yeah. got the uh, his teammates going. Pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Got me fired up this yeah. morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, all right. So uh, we have a transfer wide receiver in town, correct? Yeah. Two-time transfer, I guess. He started his career. Tyler Harrell, Harrell uh, started his career at Louisville and went to Alabama. Uh, has been on campus since yesterday morning. Met with the coaches. I believe he'll be leaving today. Um, A&M feels like, you know, based off what we've heard, feel like A&M's got a pretty good shot there. Uh, not a ton of production in terms of number of catches in his career. Uh, the most impressive part about his stat line up to this point is his yards per catch are currently at over 26. Wow. So when you look at kind of what the little we know about Bobby Petrino's offense, because he hasn't done anything here. I would just kind of go back and look at his history as an offensive coordinator and a play caller, how much he wants to stretch the field. Uh, this kid has got big time, big time wheels, six foot, 195 pounder. So he's not a small, slight guy. Uh, and he's got the, the juice to take the top off the defense. And those numbers from Louisville and Alabama would lend themselves to uh, being a down the field threat. Now, is he an immediate starter with what A&M's got coming back? I don't know, but it's certainly a quality addition if you can get him to that receiver room because of what he brings to the table. Uh, and a lot kind of in terms of the receiver recruiting out of the portal, I think a lot hinges on the decision of Anias. You know, I, I think mm-hmm. you need two right now, assuming Anias is leaving, but if Anias comes back, does that change kind of your portal strategy? I mean, they're still after – the wide receiver from UTEP that's in the portal. They're still after Gary Bryant Jr. from USC that's in the portal. Uh, you know, there may be one or two others from uh, Power 5 programs that we still think could go in. You know, you've got to look at that window that's going to happen after spring ball as well. Um, do people get kind of upset about where they're at in their current situation at other institutions after spring ball? And, and they kind of see maybe the pecking order, or maybe they don't like the, a new offense that's coming in, or whatever, they, for whatever the reasons are for leaving. So, uh, still think A&M's got to add that receiver. Whether Anias comes back or not, you have to add one. Yep. Uh, I think his decision will determine the total number that you add out of the portal, but maybe they decide they need two regardless. Because uh, with those other two that are out there that you're heavily pursuing and you're still kind of combing through everything, um, I believe if, if kids are going to enroll at A&M by this semester, if Anna Rosa is right, the ad drop day is Friday. So if they're going to come, don't to quote Anna, me on that. I believe it's I don't Friday know that or Saturday. You, I, I was trying to, I was trying to defer blame in case I was wrong. Right. Um, 
but always blame the social center host. Yeah, that, that, <laughs> continue. As, as long as it's not on my end, right? As long as it's not on my shoulders. But yeah, so I would think if they're going to have anybody that's going to come in at the semester, that it's going to happen this week. Uh, and I'm not real sure what Tyler Harrell's situation is academically. I would think he's. I'm almost positive he's a grad transfer, so he would be able to free to come in and enroll this week uh, if he decides he wants to be an Aggie. So uh, still. That's kind of that's kind of where we're at in terms of the portal situation right now. I th- I think they need another linebacker, another corner. Yeah, they do. Again, but you have to look at some of this stuff, David. And I get for fans, it, it's probably a little disappointing in the way a And attacked the portal when you look at what some of the conference rivals have done with it, you know, Arkansas and LSU, and and who did I see that somebody Arizona State had added like twenty five players via the portal already. Um, now look. Here's a th- one thing to consider, and I think what A&M is maybe looking at is locker room fit as well, mm-hmm. and they're doing as much research as they can to make sure because after what happened last season, and I think I brought this up during last week's show, but after what happened last season, I think getting the type of human beings, the type of players that you want in terms of personality, character fit, locker room fit, uh, I think that is really, really important now after what they went through during last fall, and so – that may be the reason why they're being a little bit more picky in the portal. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like you want to make sure that's a personality fit. Maybe they fit. Yeah. Maybe they really like where the locker room's at right now, with what they've got coming back. You know, with Layden and Max Wright and potentially even Anias as team leaders, and then you all the experience that those underclassmen got last year, and you love their leadership personalities with guys like Donovan Green and Cam Dewberry and Bryce Anderson and, and Connor Wigman. Maybe you really like the direction your locker room is going and you don't want to do anything to upset the apple cart. I don't know that that's 1,000% certain, but I think it's something that we haven't talked about that needs to be looked at as potentially a reason why they're not slow playing the portal but being super picky about what they want out of the portal. So maybe they're doing a bunch of background, uh, making a bunch of phone calls on some of these kids that are going in. They're like, yeah, he was kind of a problem here. Like, look, we just don't want to even want to deal with that. We got it going in the right direction. We're learning our lesson from last year. Um, we need to make sure that we're getting the right kind of people in our locker room. That may be part of the equation that we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, if you don't learn from bringing in all those guys and just making sure that fit doesn't, it has to be a good fit. I want to go back to Tyler Harrell for a second. He's got a relationship with Petrino too, right? Yeah, I believe uh, Petrino recruited him out of high school when he was coming to, to Louisville. And I'd have to go back and look. I know that he missed a year because uh, his first year at Louisville was 2018. Then he missed 2019, I think, due to injury. Uh, and then he had the COVID year of 2020. He, he'd be a grad transfer. He's a fifth-year player. Uh, and so somebody that's obviously looking for a place to come where he can add to his production. And, and I think Co- he'll be obviously familiar with Coach Petrino's offense. And then you can sell him on, look, we got the guy, the quarterback, that'll get you the ball. Right. And I think that's a really – I think they're using Connor Wigman more and more as an enticing chess piece uh, for guys out of the portal, but also uh, – you know, potentially for like even Anias, like, hey man, like, I know you never got to play with Connor, but look what he did with distributing the football and all that kind of stuff. So, all those meetings are happening, all those talks are happening, and uh, we'll see kind of how it, how it winds itself out. And and like Billy has always said, you need to. It's really easy to get caught up in them missing on guys out of the portal, them not getting guys out of the portal, but it's not about who you don't sign; it's about who you do sign. So you really need to look at this thing when we're in July and getting ready to go into camp in August and look at the totality of the newcomers that they brought in, the new roster additions, right? Yeah. Because at that point, everything will be done. 
And that's crazy that recruiting for the 2023 class, essentially, is going all the way out to June and July now uh, for that post-spring transfer portal window. But that's what we're looking at. So you've got to look at when camp starts in August, what new ad- roster additions have they made? And then, then you can finally put a grade on, hey, they, they attacked the portal the right way or they completely whiffed on it. All right, let's hit a break here. There's some text messages coming in. We'll get to those. We've got some other questions for you. It is Texags Radio. If you want to be a part of the show, text us on the AMB text line, 979-693-1150. Nick, what song is this? You probably know. I honestly don't. Sean, what is this? Is that Ryan Bingham? No, that's uh, Corey Morrow, but I don't know what the song's called. Corey Morrow, sorry. That first line sounded a little bit like him. Uh, yeah, good times. Texags Radio presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. It is Corey Morrow. Thank you very much, Sean, for that. All right, we got some text messages on the A and B text line. Let's do that. Anna Rosa Peterson is is a I was gonna say Manning that fort, but I don't think that sounds right. Is a handy wall, wall Manning that fort. She's hanging out there. Anna She's Rosa. her. <laughs> she, she is will. her. Um, Phil- oh, by the way, we've got something planned for the next time Billy drops some big uh, news on Twitter. What do we got? I'll tell you in the break. Okay. All right. Preview. But every, I mean, just we have to scroll through his mentions next time he breaks some big news on Twitter. All right. Oh. Uh, well, it could be soon. You never know. <laughs> Anna Rosa. All right. Phil Callahan says dogs won with NC, dogs won NC with one portal player. So he makes a great point there. Yeah. But they were loaded at every position. It, it, it's, dude, it's year to year. Yep. It's going to change. You can be a non portal guy, and then all of a sudden you have a rash of transfers and early NFL entries. And, your strategy of never taking portal players will change that because it's year to year. And then we live in this microwave thing where nobody's allowed to build a program anymore because they've got way more options to not have to wait. You know, it's not necessarily going to take you three or four years to build a program with the portal now. So it's a year to year thing. I still don't think you can sustain your program on strictly portal recruiting at a high end power five level. I think it'll always be a supplemental thing. You saw, like I mentioned in the last segment, Arizona state, they have a new coaching staff. So in year one, he's trying to overhaul the roster. You've seen what Dion's doing at Colorado, trying to overhaul the roster. So it'll always be a mix. When you're doing that, it'll be a, a lot more portal uh, than mm-hmm. high school guys. But I think once you get your program going, you have to sustain it through high school recruiting and high school relationships. Yeah. And what else, Anna Rosa? Jim in Temple says, I'd like to hear from Bronny some updates on the portal front, in particular the stud Oregon State linebacker Omar Spates, who's in the portal from Philadelphia, an area that A&M has recruited well of late due to established connections there. Yeah, I think A&M's playing from behind there. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like one of those deals where he may have gone in with kind of an intention of one specific place that he wants to go. Uh, and A&M was – kind of making a run as of late last week and doing what they could. Uh, haven't gotten him on campus yet. Uh, just based off what we're hearing, we think A&M's a little bit behind on that one. So where do they turn their attention linebacker-wise? Uh, there's not a lot of options right That's now. That's a good question. Yeah. I don't have an answer for you, David. That's all right. It, it is what it is. Anything else, Anna Rosa? All right, another good question. Again, though, that's not. I'm not <laughs> trying to be overly, over, overly negative about that. I'm trying – I'm just telling you, the, as it stands today, there's not a lot of new names that are surfacing out of the portal. Right. But you have to look at it at the end of the whole thing. I, I think they got to find one, at least one. I think they got to find one, but there's no reason in getting super upset about it until, unless they go into next season without adding another one. Yeah. Well, if there's a linebacker 
out there that is considering entering the portal that's really, really good listening to Texax Radio? I'm, I'm sure there's a bunch of them. I, they should be listening right now. Then I'm just going <laughs> to let you know opportunities are good here. All right? I can't tell you about NIL. I guess I could. but You could. I can't. Maybe you should lead recruiting for A&M. Nope. Nope. Not qualified. <laughs> the guy to my left probably knows a little bit more about that. All right. Um, anything else, Anna Rosa? Uh, Keith in San Antonio asks, Bronny, is Quincy Brown a possibility? I haven't heard much of anything from Quincy Brown. He's a TCU wide receiver transfer originally from Destrehan, Louisiana. Uh, have not heard his name in any of our conversations in the last – he went in on Monday. So we haven't heard I haven't heard his name in any of our conversations since then. All right, All right let's uh, talk a little bit about the Polynesian Bowl. We've got some names going to be there, right? Well, uh, DJ Hicks and Bravion Rogers, the same two guys that were at the Under Armour game in Orlando, Florida. So they played together on as far about far east as you can in the country, and then all the way out west, the Polynesian Bowl. Mm-hmm. I, I did see yesterday another glowing report on DJ Hicks. Yeah, I mean, this guy might be the most college ready defensive lineman in the entire country out of the class of twenty twenty three, and uh, I've said multiple times, I just don't know how he doesn't get on the field quite a bit next year. With as much as A&M rotates their defensive linemen, and even though that group's super good, DJ Hicks is right up there with Shamar Stewart, Shamar Turner, LT Overton, all those guys that came in. Uh, he's in at the last, that same yeah, level. same level of player. So he's going to play. And then I thought it was pretty cool that A&M went ahead and offered – uh, one of his former teammates at Katie Pato in junior defensive end, Logan Thomas, who has got – you want to talk about arrow pointing up in terms of stock and recruitment. There might not be a player in greater Houston with a bigger arrow pointing up than Logan Thomas. He's six foot four, 210 pounds, edge rusher. So he's not like DJ Hicks where he's going to – can play anywhere along the defensive front. He is a pass rushing dude and was off the charts good at the National Combine against some of the best offensive linemen – uh, underclass offensive lineman in the country. It was a couple weeks ago in San Antonio. He won defensive line MVP at that camp, and he just continuously, I mean, absolutely worked, guys. If you're interested, go look at my Twitter, scroll back a while, and, and go find those videos of him. But uh, I think a and I don't think he's going to do anything anytime soon. You know, Notre Dame just offered, so he's starting to get all the big boys come in and make offers. But it sounds like a, a recruitment where a and is going to have a great shot with him going into probably a maybe a summer, early fall decision. Uh, but the Aggies are looking to start a little bit of a Peyto pipeline between Damian Sanford and DJ Hicks. Uh, one of their walk-on offensive linemen from their, the class before uh, is from Katie Peyto. They've got an offer out in 2025 uh, to Damian Sanford's younger brother, Dejon Petaway. He's also at uh, Katie Peyto. So uh, that would be a really good school to tap into now, especially with DJ Hicks' dad being the head coach. Last thing for you, we talked Petrina earlier and just his relationships, but he's on the recruiting trail now. Yeah, went and saw Marcel Reed. Um, I mean, Hal has done an interview with a quarterback, 2024 quarterback, Walker White, out of Arkansas, that Bobby Petrino was the guy that offered him and made the decision mm-hmm. to offer him and been talking to him and has got a past history with the family. So um, he is getting out on the road and, and I think doing some evals. And uh, we, we've seen probably, what, three or four quarterback offers go out since he's gotten here. So he's looking for uh, – Clearly watching tape and finding guys he likes, both in-state and out-of-state, and, uh, and throwing offers out there. So uh, be interesting to, to kind of follow that, where he shows up at and kind of who he's interested in. Does he have a different style of quarterback maybe that he's interested in uh, that we've seen Jimbo go after? So the, maybe some different approaches in recruiting and what they want in their offense, but we'll see. I don't, I don't know that that's true, but it's something to follow. Yep. Thank you, Ryan. Also, yep. uh, I think we're getting close to a new head football coach here in town at A&M Consolidated. Oh, is that right? Yep. I think some interviews are taking place this week. And then 
I would guess by the end of the month they have their guy over there. But I'm looking forward to seeing that decision because I, I think that's a great job. I think it's uh, it's set up. You know, we've seen the job that College Station High has, has done, and but I, you know, my my dream for living in this town is that you have A&M consolidated and College Station playing in every sport deep into the playoffs, playing yeah. against each other. So. I'm hoping that this hire that, that, that they make will put them in a position to do that, and I'm confident that it will. Cool. Thank you, Ryan. Yep. Appreciate you. Right now we're talking Caldwell Country Chevrolet. If you're in the market for a new vehicle, that's where you want to start uh, your search out there. They're locally owned and operated. Aggie alumni over there doing great work. Complimentary pickup for service customers, which is so important. Now, you know, depending on where you live here in, in the uh, Brazos Valley, you know, the, the hike to Caldwell Country could be 15, 20 minutes. So they're going to take care of you because they got that complimentary pickup. Zach Hester holds his staff to very high standards, um, and uh, he wants to make sure that those customers have the best experience out there. And when you go there, you just know that their clients, uh, their roster is pretty fantastic. From R.C. Slocum only buying his cards there, Billy Lucci buys his cards there, and uh, Dante Hall, and, and there's others. I bought mine there as well. Small-town dealer making dreams come true for the Brazos Valley. A short conversation away, but you'll see the difference when you step on the lot and you do business with Zach and the fellas there at Caldwell Country Chevrolet. Highway 21 in Caldwell. Online, caldwellcountrychevrolet.com. Texax Radio, a little basketball talk here. We were presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Let's go straight to the hotline, joined by Texax uh, basketball analyst Logan Lee. Good morning, Logan. How are you, sir? I am doing great. How are you doing, Nina? I'm good, bud. What's, what's going on in your world? Kid stuff all the time? All the time. That and then trying to uh, navigate the rain in College Station. You know how people drive in College Station when it rains. Hey, the traffic, it's, it's funny how, like, just a couple weeks you forget how bad the traffic gets here. It's ridiculous right now. Yeah, because all these knuckleheads are back in school and they run the town. And they're going to class. Like, you know, later on they stop going. They're going now. <laughs> it's a new semester. They, they've... They've got to at least uh, get their name in the books, and then then they'll drop off. Yeah, meet the prof. Hey, um, look, I know all SEC games are important. All conference games are important. But I feel like this Florida game tonight is important for several reasons. A, because I know what's ahead. B, because they're a team that could be on the bubble with you to get into the NCAA tournament. So having two against them would go a long way, and also protecting your home court. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'll, third in, I'll, I'll throw in a third factor of um, – just the fact that this is a ne- the next step in the progression of this team. They have cleared a bunch of different hurdles to start SEC conference play, uh, SEC play, excuse me. And now this is this is just another step in their progression. It's a it's the first time that they're playing a team that they've already played this year. It's the first time that they're going to have to play an opponent that knows exactly what to expect, not just from video but from experience. And so. Not only are they going to have to have a new game plan, they're going to have to make adjustments to that game plan, and they're going to have to make adjustments in-game to the game plan because it's a, it's a chess match right now. Florida knows what, what to expect, and they're going to make their own adjustments. Uh, Buzz and company are going to have to counter that and see who has the best preparation, who has the best in-game adjustments. And, and that's something that A&M in the beginning was struggling with was in-game adjustments. I think they've done a good job uh, as of late, uh, but we're going we're gonna to have to see how much development they actually have. Like I said, the next step, if they get this one, they go on the road, back-to-back games at Kentucky, at Auburn, and those are going to be even bigger games, uh, especially when you're talking about uh, the selection committee and, and tournament play. 
Let's get specific. What does AM do so well right now during this stretch? What is, I mean, I know we can say defense, but what specifically are they doing so well? I think that their consistency has, has been the best thing. Uh, their consistency and the, the coaching. Uh, when you have a consistent roster, when you know who you can count on and the people that you're counting on to do specific things, you can coach more in depth. It's not a, a question of do I play Tyrese Radford at the at the one sometimes and then when when uh, when we have Wade Taylor in do I move do I move Wade to the one and and have Tyrese at the two and then Dexter Dennis at the three or if Dexter's out does Tyrese now play the three when you have a solid roster of what you're going to expect in a game, you can coach more in depth. And I think that's what they've done well is it they've they've come to a consistent rotation, which has given them the flexibility in, in the offense and in the defense to to know what to expect in a game. Talking to Logan Lee here on Tex Ags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers. So one of the things that Buzz has gone into detail about and that I've heard you talk about is how good this coaching staff is doing getting these scouting reports done. So take me back to your days and, and if from your coaching days too. What what goes into a scouting report? I mean, it's, people hear it, but I kind of explain it to me. Like this player likes to go left and this situation kind of helped me understand what goes into potentially what a Buzz Williams scouting report could look like. So uh, I, I can just go off of experience from 15, however many years ago, 18 years ago, whenever it was when Buzz was the assistant coach here and he was doing the, the scouting reports every third game, his scouting reports were the most detailed uh, of, of any coaches in, in regards to player personnel uh, and, and execution of offensive plays. Um, he, would, he would have it down to the dribble. If, if number five starts off going left, he's going to take, three dribbles to the left, cross back over to the right, and shoot a pull-up jump shot. If he take, if he starts out going right, you know he's going to make a spin move back to the middle, and if, he, and if he's ending up going left, he's never going to take a jump shot. He's going straight to the basket, and he's trying to finish at the rim. Uh, post players, if he catches the ball on the right block, he's going to take two dribbles, go left shoulder. Uh, if he catches the ball on the left block, he's going to take two dribbles, fake right shoulder, come back to the left he's always turning to the left it is simple things like that and i say simple uh it's it's those detailed things that he is very good at and i would assume because i haven't been a part of his staff currently i would assume that that's what he expects from his coaches right now um the plays are i mean we always had the opponent's top 15 plays. we were going to know the opponent's Hey, these guys are going to run this out of timeouts. They're going to run this out of the first play out of the half. They're going to run this. Uh, if they're down by 10, expect this play. Or they always run a lob at this time. They are very detailed, very strategic in, in allowing the, the team, giving them the most knowledge to prepare. Um, and that was, that was back in the day when, when – Coach Gillespie, I mean, he focused on the opponent. It was never necessarily us. It was, what are we going to do to stop them? How do we stop them? A lot of coaches these days uh, are saying, 
If we run our stuff, we don't have to worry about what they do. Defensive principles for Buzz, I mean, he tells them to go out and play hard, stop the ball. <laughs> that's, that's what they do. I don't, I don't necessarily know I haven't been in it, but that's, that's my interpretation from 15 years ago. Talking to Logan Lee here on Texas Radio. So we talked about what A&M does well. And I know you probably don't watch a lot of Florida film, but what does Florida do well? Well, Florida right now, uh, they're, they're on a, a three-game win streak. They haven't lost since, since A&M beat them uh, in the O-Dome, and, and they're hot. They're, they're playing well. Before the Florida game, the, before the first Florida game, uh, we talked about how this, this Gator team is very talented. They're very athletic, but they, they are not consistent. I think they've gotten some consistency. They have found a, a better merge of using Colin Castleton in their guard play. The first time the A&M went up against them, it was all about Colin Castleton. He was taking the most shots. He was, he was touching the ball every time down the floor. I think that they have changed the tempo a little. They play a little faster, so they're scoring more in transition. Um, they're relying on their guards a little more to open it, open up the floor to give Colin Castleton better looks because everybody was focusing on him. So right now, I think they've done a good job of adjusting to the scouting reports of other teams have had in, in that everybody was focusing on Castleton in the paint, and now uh, they have more options. They, they have opened up the playbook to, to give everybody more touches. Logan, let's uh, talk Henry Coleman because I don't want to say he was struggling, but he just was, for a little while, he wasn't a name that we talked about a lot because it wasn't popping out. I, you could almost say the same thing right now, except he's been so solid, right? Like it's, it's not like he has this spectacular stat line, but he is. Like these double-doubles and even the 7-6 and six game he had uh, three games ago, he's really starting to play at the level we remembered last year. I mean, I think it's I think it's fair to say that he was struggling. Uh, I think the I think the entire team was struggling, especially throughout non-conference play. Uh, but that's because they didn't have uh, defined roles as to what everybody was needed to do and and wanted to accomplish. Uh, now that there is consistency, and now that Julius Marble, who we had been begging to see more of, uh, has has taken the scoring burden off of Henry Coleman's shoulders in the in the post, Henry can go out and do what he's good at doing, which is those hustle plays, uh, being strong in the paint, grabbing moving people out of the way to grab rebounds. You know, against against the non conference opponents where they don't have guys that are his size, every time he touched one of those little guards to go for a rebound, he was getting called for a foul. You know, now he's got big bodies to 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 go up against in the paint and he can use his muscle and he can move people and they're not flying out of the paint, but he's moving them to get position and he can go grab rebounds. Then when he grabs those rebounds, I mean, A&M had 20 offensive rebounds, uh, against, against Missouri, uh, not against Missouri, against South Carolina. They had 27 second chance points. Henry Coleman had a double double. It was his second in a row. He has been a monster on the board, which has, which has allowed him to score more points. Uh, He's just, with the emergence of everybody on the roster in regards to Julius Marble being consistent with with scoring, Dexter Dennis picking up some of the scoring load, Henry Coleman doesn't have to do it all in the paint and from the high post. His his role has been a little more limited, which has made him more successful. Absolutely. Hey, uh, Logan, let's, let's talk about these young guys getting some valuable minutes right now. 
you know, KK Robinson's a guy that we hadn't really talked about much, but he got, he got a little bit of time and looked pretty good in, the, in that in that role. There's others that are starting to step up and, and get some run. Yeah, KK Robinson has, has until this point. I have considered it more of a. I've, I've used the word uh, disappointing in, in in his role, but I think I've I've kind of changed my mind and, and my thought process in that. And it's not necessarily disappointing. He's just learning. It, it takes time to learn a new system. Some people learn it quicker than others, and I think with him being able to get some of these minutes and and find some success, you're going to see him grow even more throughout the season. I think he's going to be a really good player for Texas A&M. He, he's just a role player right now, filling filling some of those empty gaps. Uh, it's great to, to have Solomon Washington getting getting some time in, in conference play. You know, he got some he got some good minutes in non-conference, but uh, conference is a different beast. And for him to be able to pick up some experience against these ultra-athletic, ultra-talented uh, guys in, in the SEC, that's invaluable for him. Uh, for A&M to go out and really dominate each of these games that they've played in, uh, it, it's been a good sign, not just for the starters, but for those role players, those guys that, that are trying to gain experience. Because down the road, uh, if if someone if someone picks up too many fouls, at least A and M has some experience in some of these games right now that they won't be shell shocked uh, at the end of the season against some of these better teams. Nick, do me a favor, put up the uh, the Ethan Jones stats that he uh, sent our way. I'm going to read some of these to you, Logan, as we close out the the segment because A and M has just been what they were in non conference statistically. I'm just going to read you a couple of them just so you can hear it. Field goal percentage, they were 115th. Now they're 20th since SEC play began. Rebounds, they were 159th. Ninth, now they're eighth uh, since SEC play began. Points per game, they were at 75. Now they're at 77.8. 58th in the country, they were 101st. Opponents. Uh, points per game they're they're now 11th in the country they were 163rd and then the the big the big one the rebound margin they were uh, 87th in the country with 4.1 per game now they're first at 14.8 yeah it's um it's been impressive (laughs) these last four games have been nothing short of impressive especially because it's against com- conference competition and not just uh, the non-conference. But that also goes to show why we were so frustrated in non-conference play against these quote-unquote uh, lesser, less talented teams. Um, and they couldn't do it against them. But then when when SEC comes along, they start playing best basketball. And, you know, that's, that's par for the course for Buzz, how his teams continue to get better. Uh, I just want to see. I'm, I'm excited to see how good these team, this team can actually be uh, six games from now. Logan, I appreciate it, brother. Talk to you soon. Absolutely. See you, Ninja. Later, bro. Logan Lee there on the hotline. Appreciate his time. All right. Turn our attention to an email I got uh, about Heritage Films. I'm going to read it. It's from a, a lieutenant colonel in the uh, U.S. Marine Corps that says. Uh, I wanted to thank you for your advertising for Heritage Films so consistently and with so much enthusiasm. My brothers and I gave my parents their movie for Christmas. Best money we've spent. We were blown away at how cool and professional it looked. Chance is a great dude. My parents absolutely loved him and his crew. He's one of the best with customer service I've ever met. And he went on to tell you other things about it. So that's the kind of, it's not the first email I've gotten, um, but I've gotten many about that, about Chance and just how cool it is for your family. I, I, I have a lot of enthusiasm because I've done it. And I also know Chance McLean personally. He's uh, he's a friend. And I don't like doing 
advertisements uh, and business with friends. I don't like it because I think it can get messy, except when they got a, got a guy like Chance, who is, uh, A, just a unique and awesome dude, artistic and great at what he does with Heritage Films. These kind of emails make this gig so much more sweet because uh, it's not me doing the work, it's Chance, and he does it so well. You should check out the website, yourheritagefilm.com, yourheritagefilm.com, 713-893-8341, 713-893-8341. All right, Tech Sags Radio, presented by David Gardner's Jewelers here in the Rollo Insurance Studio. Last segment of the show, big game coming up uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, A&M versus Florida. Hopefully you can uh, check it out in person at Reed Arena or on, on television. Let's go to the News and Social Center. Ana Rosa Peterson. All right. Ron in Irving asks an incredible question. He says, David, I know the men's basketball game starts at 6. I know you need your beauty sleep, but will you be at the game? So I will not be at the game tonight. But let me go ahead and just set it so everybody understands. I watch every game, and I like going in person. But when the games are at 730... I am probably leaving five or 10 minutes into the second half and catching the last few minutes at home because that, first off, I walk from Tech Sags because I don't, I don't get a parking pass. It's okay. Other people do. It's cool. They're important. Um, I walk, so that adds another 15-minute element. I also don't want to get into that traffic, which adds another 15-minute element. Then I got to get home and unwind. That adds another 15 to 20-minute element. And now I'm going to bed at 11. So that's what I try to avoid. I try to have the game end at, let's say, 9.33 and be asleep by 9.51 because I like to wake up at 4.45. See how everything is so detailed? Because I'm a loser and I'm a nerd. <laughs> not everyone can do it, that's for sure. We have another... You didn't, like, refute. You didn't say, like, no, you're not, David. You're just committed to the job. <laughs> None of that. Uh, no, I'm just saying not everyone can be that committed to the job. Not everyone can. It's too late. That's but but by the way, yeah. I apologize for making you sound like a valley girl. That was not <laughs> Thank cool you. Me. Yeah. Oh my God, I feel David. like I have a deeper voice than that. Oh my God, David. <laughs> we have another question. What is the status with Anaya Smith? Hasn't the deadline to declare the NFL draft passed? So I was a little confused about that. So since he's a senior, he can declare whenever. It was for underclassmen is my understanding. And no news is just no news, right? Like um, I think he's taking time to evaluate his situation and when he's ready and Billy's got info, we'll, we'll update you. But I think we all know what's at stake for him. He's just going to – and there's no reason for him to tell us right now if he doesn't have to, right? He can kind of just take his time and figure out what makes the most sense for him, right? Um, because at the end of the day, it's a huge commitment. You leave, that's it. You stay, you can enhance your chances next year. You know, there's a lot of other things at stake too. Uh, I'd say mostly positive, but I can understand both sides of the equation, and it's whatever Anias wants to do is the right thing to do. All right, um, I guess i got to thank our peoples today. How about Logan Lee? He just got off the phone. I don't even know if that's worth thanking him because he just got off the phone, but he was great. Ryan Brodinger, great as well. Chris Taylor with his player spotlight on Damani Richardson. He was great. John Harris giving us a little insight into Sean Payton, also uh, uh, Kenyon Green and how the uh, Texans are looking at him. We also had OB on. He's always on. He's really good, too, when he's on the program. Tomorrow is a Thursday, and on Thursdays we have, let's see, we've got the fan show. We've got the basketball uh, chat with Logan and Tap. We've got uh, Aaron Torres, and we've also got Esteban McGee, so a lot. Our thanks to everybody who works on this show, Anna Rosa Peterson over there at the News and Social Center. Nick Savage and his crew in the back. Thank you so much. Sean there at the Mothership. Great work, as always. That's going to do it for Tex Ags Radio 
on a Wednesday. One day I'm going to say the wrong day, just not today. We'll see you manana.